This is the SFF Audio Podcast. Hi, I'm Jesse. Hello, I'm Paul. Hi, I'm Misa. Hi, I'm Trish. And we're going to talk about Town in the Sky by Robert A. Heinlein, first published in 1955. Um, I'm holding in my hands a copy that may have been the first one I got. I don't know. Um, it's got a Steel Savage cover. He's a really good artist. Uh, where a you see presumably Rod, somebody standing in the doorway uh, to another planet. And mm-hmm. uh, I saw some doofus got a uh, tattoo of this image on his leg. <laughs> and then I was making jokes with Evan about uh, <laughs> oh, um, it's a lot better than getting the Farnham Freehold <laughs> covered. Oh, dear God. <laughs> like, as a tattoo, <laughs> just because more people have more problems with it. But this is a pretty interesting book. Um, I know uh, Paul's probably read it before. I assume Trish has read it before, but I assume I Misa so. has not. No. no, you hadn't read it? Wow. No, not this one. Interesting. Wow. I had. I haven't read this one in 30 years. Yeah. Same. And I forgot a lot of things about it. So I had a, so it was, it was kind of a refresher. I only remembered the very, very basic premise and something and some, some way how the plot goes and what the fo- book focuses on and the, how can I put this? The gender dynamics of the book I had forgotten completely. And yeah, now I have, now I have issues and problems. I didn't, wouldn't earlier me would not have had, but, Present me does. I don't. I. Hmm. I, I was. This I was, was my first time reading it. I was just thinking. I wonder, is there anything that anybody can complain about in here? And I'm like, pretty not much. <laughs> I mean, I I'm, did not yeah, like I the have ending. problems either. Oh, you didn't in like fact, the ending. I hated the ending. Okay, you hated the ending. No, but I mean, first. problematic things like Paul. Like, I don't think. Do you have a problematic ending, or do you think it's just a not a great? Ending? Oh, not problematic. Just unsatisfying. Okay. I, I, or other problematic Rod was, elements, but. Oh, well, uh, Rod Rod was unsatisfied, too. Um, <laughs> although, that's not the real ending. That's the pre-ending where he's unsatisfied, right? And then we get the the later reveal where Captain Rod is taking his yes, team out. Yes, yes. It's happy for him. I just... It, it, uh, we'll get into it later. <laughs> all right, all right. So, uh, what, what 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 things can we cancel about this novel, or why should we cancel this novel, Paul? I didn't say we should cancel. Oh, this novel. oh. Well, well, what what things are like? I I thought the uh, Am- the Amazons was pretty fun. You know, the sister and her her group uh, of lady yes. soldiers. Uh-huh. Yes, and okay. And? So we have the Amazons. We have his sister as one of them. We have Carolyn um, wanting to be one. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm not going to use the B word. And yet this novel is so oh, but. benighted in its gender stereotypes and what it thinks women are and should be that it would kept throwing me out of the story. His, 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 his sister, I mean, his sister basically just wants to be an Amazon until she can get find a man and get married and have babies. Carolyn, the same way. It's like, 
What? No, that's not how. No, I mean, I, I mean, I mean. Yes, I know it's a Robert Heinlein thing. We've gone through this before in a number of novels, but it just felt really, really like clashy. And okay, to continue on, because now I got to have steam going. So we had that vote for who's going to be leader of the group of the of the of the of the Lost Boys and Girls. And yes, Carolyn gets pushed forward as a candidate, but Heinlein couldn't even give her a single vote. Hmm. That act, nobody voted for her. I know. I, I listened back and listened twice. No votes for Carolyn. It's like you couldn't even give her one vote. One of those people wouldn't have voted for her. Like, come on. Apparently, um, she didn't even vote for herself. Yes, exactly. <laughs> thank you, thank you, Trish. It's like Rob didn't vote so, for himself either, though. That's no, true. No, no, no. But still, it's like I mean, that, I mean, that's giving the that's almost like showing a painting of. Equality and just like walking away, like nope, uh, we're we're just going right back to, right back to men are men and women be our. Well, I'll give you that. Nobody voted for her, but she showed herself as stronger than just about everybody at every turn. And <laughs> every time in the narrative, they kept pushing her. I mean, like 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 the one fight where she gets thrown like the, with the you know with the with the younger boys and the and the women, she gets shunted out, and she she points out that yes, I should have been there, but it's like it just. Again and again, they kept undercutting her throughout the narrative, and they got tiresome. Well, she got. She's the only person other than Rod who gets to narrate the the story, right? We get mm-hmm. whole chapters from her diary's point of view, and and really, that's even more narrating than he, because we're seeing it over Rod, Rod's shoulder. So, um, I mean, it's not. I, I mean, if, if you rewrote this book today, Carolyn would be. Would I would hope be done much better by than what Heinlein does with her and with Rod's sister, whose name I've you guys, you guys have Helen. weird ideas. Ellen, uh, in, in, uh, my in big the... problem was with square dancing. That's that's fucked up. <laughs> um, <laughs> the, I, well, you, 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 well, I, I kind of took the, the square dancing. I'm uh, I'm monopolizing conversation because I tend to do that in those podcasts. I apologize. In 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 the whole feel of the whole pioneer spirit, which. Highline goes with with this novel in general, but I'm going to shut up for a bit because we have we have two other people on this podcast besides you and me, Jesse. I'd like to hear Misa and Trish talk. I, I think I you're privileging up. X X chromosomes over Y chromosomes here myself, but whatever, that's fine. <laughs> Trish, Misa, how about it? I was actually impressed with the with the female characters in this book. I I found them strong and. Uh, self-assured and yes they did want to get married at the end um i don't know all if that's the dudes wanted thing. to get married too though everybody wanted to get married yeah that's the th- everybody wanted to get married yeah i mean i get the sense so rod just, and carolyn are getting married women well rod didn't want to get married i did want oh, he did he had to do it after he retired that'd be his last day as mayor right mm-hmm. right right so. Yeah, but I mean, there there never seemed any urgency in his need to do that. It was more just what <laughs> he's society like a, he's expected. He's a teenager. So, he's not I even out of high school. Really he's like a, a junior in high school. I mean, everybody else was hyped up to partner off, but he well, was oblivious <laughs> to the crushes that Jack, I think, and definitely Carolyn had on him. And you know, I, I don't ne- know if he was oblivious, he was warding them off. Mm. Okay, especially Carolyn, especially Carolyn. Okay, okay. Hmm. 
Uh, how do you think? I think the audiobook was terrific. Um, I we listened to the full cast audio one. I think everybody, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was well done. Um, yeah, well done. Did you realize it, it the actors the playing were distinct? Jack um, was a girl. The act, the actor who, the actress who played Jack. That yeah, that gave away Jack in fast. You thought? You thought? I was like, eh, it's borderline. <laughs> but I, I, I remembered, I remembered that bit, so I wasn't surprised. Yeah, I was well, pretty I, sure. I, I don't know if it was the actor or, or just figuring it, but. Mm. I knew it, and I think it was the voice that mm, gave it away mm-hmm. faster than it might have Well, she been. was uh, – I mean, he was smaller. <laughs> yeah. Um, so there's there's stuff in here like um, – I think, oh, that's a very girl thing. Like when – as soon as Jack finds another girl, uh, they go off to have a cry together. I'm like, okay, that's a girl thing. I assume Heinlein knows what he's talking about. I've seen girls do stuff like that. I don't think that's a dude thing. I think the dudes would bro each other to death. <laughs> well, uh, it's not so maybe an that's... American uh, heavily socialized uh, masculine thing. But, I mean, yeah. other cultures, men do cry. Right, right. So, and boys. So that's the other thing. Like, I was thinking this Zulu lady is pretty square dancey. Um, the global <laughs> culture <laughs> is very American. Um, yes. So, like, you know, insane with Starship Troopers, we've got a kid... Who's a Filipino from South America, uh, who's pretty much just, you know, your average American boy uh, from Missouri. <laughs> yeah, yeah. G- 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 Early Johnny 20th century Missouri. Yeah, yeah. Johnny Rico doesn't feel like he's from South America at all. No. I mean, like, but I feel like, like that's always true with Heinlein's That's just characters, the hegemony right? of American yeah. culture. Cultural hegemony, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but <laughs> – um, I, I think I, did I send it to y- y'all the, uh, there was two different covers for this, uh, audiobook. There's, I don't think so. No? no. Okay. So there's, uh, the one I put in the audiobook is the, I think the revised one, but there's two different covers and it's the same painting, but they went back, uh, the artist went back and made him black. And the yeah, reason I was looking is at black at first or second. And Sorry, it says that, uh. The Wikipedia page says, Robert James, researcher, says Heinlein explicitly stated that Rod Walker is black in a, in a letter separately. Yeah. And yeah. part of the uh, evidence for that in the text is that everybody in everybody on the planet expected Rod to end up with Carolyn, who was, mm-hmm. of course, black That's herself. what it says, and I don't think that that's um, – yeah, everybody on – not on planet Earth, but on, on planet – what's it called? Uh did yeah. they ever name it? Yeah, they did. They no, no they did. To do something at the end, they they found out it's it's the goddess, oh, the, god of of yeah. one god from right. the teens didn't name it, but no. they oh. found out that people back on Earth had yeah. named it. What the hell is yeah. it called? Anyways, um, yeah, I, I get the sense that at the end they're not going back to that planet, right? Who's not going back? Um. That uh, Rod isn't leading a team back oh. to the same pioneering planet. They're going to some other planet. Yeah, it doesn't say. Yeah, does that, that, that he's basically his, his job is yeah to that he either gone to a different planet or he's, he just leads teams, mm-hmm. which kind of reminds me of Time Enough for Love, and the very strange section with the pioneering in that book. Hmm. Wait a second. I'm just looking at my. Yeah, I'm looking at the paper copy and just seeing if it. 
Wow, it's really abbreviated, that ending, isn't it? So it's got to be set a, a couple years later, because he's finished his schooling. Um, yeah. And, uh, and Carolyn is um, not available, because she's busy doing Amazon stuff. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And then he's leading a team out, and he's he's got... Uh, he's on a... I don't want to say a donkey. Some sort of pony, I think. Yeah. So, um... Uh, yeah, the cover. So, I think when I read it, I got the sense he was black, too. And I think it's the line is actually... It's not a line that's um, explicitly... Um, uh, explicitly black, but rather it's remember when the uh, uh, nasty boys show up and they get into a uh, dispute as to who's in charge. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't remember the brothers' names, but there's two of them. One of them, uh, the leader brother, calls him Jock McGowan. Jock McGowan. McGowan. Okay. Oh yeah, can't trust those Irish or, or Scottish <laughs> or whatever. Anyways, um, he 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 calls him Cholo. Now, right. Cholo is uh, uh, usually used for Chicanos or Latinos, um, but it's it's basically just means mixed race, right? Um, as opposed to like if you're from Spain, you wouldn't call if if somebody was from Spain, you wouldn't call him a cholo, um, and it's uh, somewhat derogatory. But the idea of him being uh, uh, he's an American black as opposed to uh, Carolyn, who is Zulu, right? Mm-hmm. Explicitly African, a specific tribe of African black. So I think I knew that he was black pretty early on when I read it the first time, but um, it isn't really called out at all in the book. Like, I, I, other I didn't than that. realize until I read it in Wikipedia. Yeah. Um, you can't really, I mean, there's not a lot of descriptions of him other than, you know, the injuries he receives, which are many. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah it, it, it's down, It's definitely downplayed in the text, and I think Heinlein did that because, you know, the the real politique of trying to sell the novel. I don't know. Sadly. I don't know. Sadly, sadly, I, think I mean, I think he's, I, mean, give, I don't think that that's it. I think that it's the other way around. I think he's trying to bring people to the place he wants us to go. So, like, as with Johnny Rico, right, at the end of the book, you find out, oh, he's he's a Filipino? Oh, that explains his name. And he's from, uh, we knew he's from South America, but we didn't know he was of uh, Filipino ancestry, right? So I kind of admire how oh, I agree. snuck in the multi-ethnic uh, mm-hmm. characters, lead characters in Me his too. book, yeah. given the time that he was working in. That was pretty mm-hmm. impressive. It was. I agree. I yeah, but also it's like it was what he want. It, it's not like uh, he's he's trying to please an audience. He's actually got an agenda, which is no, no, anti-racist. He, no, no. If he, if he was more explicit, then he would have lost fans, especially in the I, American I, South. I don't. So. I don't. I don't know if that's true. I I know that. Um, I know oh that, yes, it is true. Yeah, Look, people yes, would not true, have that. sold his books in bookstores. I, under, yeah. I, I understand that there's that, that that's a working theory, but a lot of the times when we talk about this sort of stuff, like um, we're just wrong. Like so, for example, I accepted the ideas uh, people are saying. You know that um, uh, what's her name? Uh, 
Andre Norton um, had to write as a man in, in order to you know gain an audience. She even says stuff like that. But the timeline does not match the reality of what she's saying. Like she changed her name before she she started submitting to science fiction. She her first book was under her. maybe she had done her research and knew what kind of reception. <laughs> well, got. I think your mind plays tricks on you too, like us uh, on timelines. But um, it, it always works. Like it's things are often more complex than we give them credit for. Who's the uh, Weird Tales author that? It's totally sli- slipping my mind. Henry Cutner's wife? C.L. Moore. C.L. Moore, right. So um, people often say that th- that the reason she's a C.L. Moore is because she had to hide her identity. And people assumed that she was male. And that actually did happen. She did have to hide her identity. And people did assume she was male. But not because uh, she was had to hide her her gender. But rather, she needed to hide it from her boss. Her boss wouldn't want her working on the side. That's what she explicitly said. And when people asked, you know, assumed, she just told them, right? Um, And the thing is, is if you look at those magazines from that era, tons of people were doing that, right? So H.P. Lovecraft, that's why we call him H.P. Lovecraft, because that's how it was signed, right? Uh, Zelia Bishop. We didn't know Zelia Bishop was Zelia Bishop. It was Z.B. Bishop, right? And so the idea that this is going to explicitly... uh, Like, we can second-guess why people are doing stuff, and we have our our thoughts about what's going on. Obviously, uh, things were a lot more racist back then, um, but uh, you're also selling to an audience that is kids and the way he's doing it is he's he starts with just a kid telling the story or having the story told about him and then we find out after we're well into the book what the kid is actually like um the only exception to this i think is uh uh pod of mars where you know it's a girl from the beginning Right, I don't think and maybe it takes a page before you find a pod potty is a girl, so like how do we know that he would get he, he uh would have got cancelled <laughs> you know the equivalent in the south because it it happened, but cancellation happens today for similar reasons in you know northern places and western places and religious places. It, the lack of religion in here is pretty interesting, I think. It's something sort of uh, that runs throughout his thing. So he has sort of religious stuff in here, but there's they don't go to church, right? They have a service. Yeah, they, they have they service have at home, led by mm-hmm. the Father with this made-up religion, whatever it is. Uh, yeah, but uh, but when, once they're on the planet, right, they have a they have a Koran, they have a Book of Mormon, and they yeah. have something else. And then there's one guy who's sort of more into it. And he does services for everybody who's interested. It's like a chaplain in the army, right? They have to be able mm-hmm. to do uh, everybody. Right. <laughs> Spiritual yeah, services. Uh, ecumenical. Is that what it's called? I think it's ecumenical. Yes. Yeah. So uh, I think he's, he's very uh, agenda-driven there, which I really like. Because, you know, I think 
it's the right it's the right thing to do. I, I don't know so much. I don't know so much. Highline's agenda driven by that, or so much that the Highline is reacting to the culture and times that he grew up in, as far as religion and the the effects of religion on society and how it affected him. So I think that's why he goes for that. I mean, consider when he and consider his real reactions to uh, fundamentalist Christianity and Job, where he's definitely taking it apart. So I think, so I think he, for the most part, he likes to stay far away from that or have societies that don't have that sort of. It's secular. That sort of, that, it's that, but sec, it, it is, is, is a secularized faith that secularized and what's the word I'm looking for? A small D democratized faith rather than, a specific doctrine that this is what you must follow to be saved. Well, that is a doctrine, though, right? Let's have a secular society. Let's have is a doctrine. Let, let's right. not well, be it's, racist. It's really a sort of correct prediction of moving away from organized religion. More Americans uh, every decade drift away from churches as such and may stay say still may still say they're spiritual but uh less a lot less actual going to church yeah. among americans at least and, um, but there's also and of course the ones who stay in the church are in they, many ways uh you know more adamant than ever definitely definitely a strengthening of their of well, there's their also there's also people who go the other way like my friend julie right she was brought up by atheists and now she runs a Catholic podcast with with Scott. Oh yeah, right. Right. Um, it's not like it, it, it's. I would say you're absolutely right. The trend is away from, uh, you know, strong religious uh, belief, but it's not. Uh, it, it waxes and wanes, and I think we're on the waxing more than we're on the waning at the moment. Um, didn't they also use those books as paper? Like weren't they writing in the yeah in the, the margins right? writing in the, the margins. margins which which is I mean that's nice in kind of a well, like okay we're not going to write over it but we're going to we're going to build our our world alongside it without mm. like not it's not reverent but it's it's part of it like you know uh, that's the Talmud by the way <laughs> what the Talmud oh, yeah, is both, is okay. comments on on you know interpretation and comments on religion so. Uh, he's kind of doing like a, um, one of the things that happens is when you get people who know how to read, right. And got a literate society. Um, and in fact, I think that's mentioned, uh, in this book, a lot going on in this little book. Oh, okay. He, he, he definitely, he definitely makes an argument in this book that society is not society unless it's literate. And so the whole, and the whole point about him wanting to, uh, appropriate, uh, I think it's Carolyn's paper and and mm-hmm, stuff. Her diary. Mm-hmm. Her diary. So there's definitely a, a sense that you don't have society without writing, which which surprised pre-literate cultures in the middle e in the in the Fertile Crescent. But you know, he's well, got no, they a, also threw out we'll make pap- papyrus. Yeah. As well. I, I was so. actually going um there's a specific character. Is it Jim who is a Quaker? I think it's Jim. Where he says, um, and that's uh, uh, that's Quaker is the outside term for them. You know, the inside term they're, is they're society is. of friends. 
Yeah, uh, there is a, a Society of Friends person in there. Yeah, um, and he I don't says, remember their name. He says basically something along the lines of, that's not how we do it in our religion. We wait until the spirit moves us before we uh, do a thing. And I actually do have a really big problem with this book, but it's. It, it, I, I also think that it's possible that Heinlein was putting those words in the mouth of a guy who I'm supposed to hate anyways. <laughs> <laughs> and in which case, I'm like, are you supposed like, to hate Jimmy? Why? No, not Jimmy. Um, who's the guy who's the first mayor? Grant. 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 Yeah. yeah. Okay. So he says he gives a big, long, flowery speech, um, and he says he asks a question, rhetorical question, and we get a bunch of answers. What is man's greatest invention? Right. And people say the wheel, fire. Right. A bunch of things. They're all right. pretty bad answers. And he says, no, the Man's greatest invention is government. And I'm like, wow, wow. I want to get into this because I did not remember at all how much this book spends on trying to form a society and what's good. That's what this book is about. And, yeah. and, and I, 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 I mean, I just remembered, oh, yeah, boys get stranded through a Stargate. I mean, I didn't use the word Stargate at the time. Gets stranded through it's a, a portal, Paul. portal on a planet. Yeah. I completely forgot the whole Let's let's have long arguments about what sort of government and the and how how the consent of the governed and all that. Yeah, I kind of feel like the plot is a backdrop for the essays on government. You are correct. <laughs> yeah, that's very. Although true. it takes a while before that actually happens, right? He's he's a lost, lone, uh, up a tree, injured. You know, well, you possibly have to dying. cook your juveniles first before you lay the heavy thoughts on them. Yeah, you have to cook your juveniles. Is that what you said? Hook them, she not did. cook them. That, oh, that's a different book. Oh, oh, God, like, <laughs> Although Long Pig is also mentioned in here, which I is like a, a nice check mark I put beside the <laughs> Heinlein themes. Long Pig. <laughs> so speaking of Long Pig, this came out a year after uh, Lord of the Flies, yes. and I wonder was it a response it or was. was it just in the air? Yes, I it read was. it was a response. It was. Um, I didn't know that the first time I read it. But it's very obvious now. Although, although I had read Lord of the Flies at that point because I'd read it in high school, it was like, huh. I thought, huh. So it's another stranded except science fiction. Okay, cool. Um, when I was thinking about this book more recently, I guess it probably 10 or 15, 20 years ago, whenever it was, Suzanne Collins is, uh, you know, Hunger Games. That's mm-hmm. That's, I think, in dialogue with this a little bit. Um, it's about government. Mm-hmm. It's about uh, teaming. <laughs> um, and uh, I don't know if you saw it, Paul, but um, I, I wrote a little bit of philosophy about how PUBG works, this game we play, uh, Player mm-hmm. Unknown's Battleground. It's a battle royale game where you're flying in an airplane, you drop out of the sky, you land somewhere on an island. And you have to go find some equipment to survive. And the people around you are all trying to kill you because there can be only one. Uh, When I first got the game, it wouldn't run on my machine. And so I had to, uh, you know, 
uh, I'd lent it to a friend of mine, and he was playing it, and I was asking him what's happening as he's playing it on his computer, and he's explaining things to me. But I, the game doesn't t- didn't tell you. It came out in beta. It didn't tell you what the rules were. didn't tell you how to play it. You know, it's just a game you get. You're in the screen. You press the checkmark button, and suddenly you're in the air over an island, and you don't know what's going on. Then this blue wall comes, and it starts coming at you. And when it hits you... Uh, you start taking damage. And I'm like, oh, what is it like smoke? Is it like, what? what is it? And he says, it's a blue wall. <laughs> I'm like, okay. <laughs> and then and then at the end, uh, he, he explains it, how you, you know, you survive. And if you win, you get a chicken dinner. I'm like, how does that work? Do they send it in the mail? Is it like a coupon? How does this work? <laughs> and so I didn't understand. And that's actually how we are in in the world, right? We're born into this world. Nobody tells us the rules. And <laughs> the people who tell us the rules are just people who think they know how to play the game. Um, and I play with a lot of randos. I, put, I play with Paul a little bit, but mostly I play with randos or people I've met who became my game friends, you know? And the they all have sort of different strategies and brains but what makes the game very very popular it became the most popular game in the world uh for a few months uh almost a year i think and then when fortnite came out it became like second or third tier and now it's like there's tons of games that use this formula um and they're talking about pubg2 and there's a replacement free game called super people that's uh, basically a clone of exactly like a clone of of PUBG and so the idea of like what makes what makes this game really interesting and makes people want to play it in a way that they don't play other games like Paul I see you play a lot of games a lot of Civ right but um, what made this game stand out so much for me and for other people is that it's the same game every time but it's different every time because we don't we don't know where it's how it's going to end or where we're going to get pushed or who's playing or anything you know what loot there's going to be and you have to sort of make do and different people's strategies of surviving until the end often include things that automatically want to will hurt them and they do that deliberately because they're playing a kind of meta game with their own brain chemistry so this is the the point I'm I'm trying to make with this idea here is like there's a there are people who do these things called hot drops. Basically, they don't want to win the game the way the game theoretically win, is won, which is you get a chicken dinner and you are the last survivor. But rather, they want to go get into a fight early and die. Now they don't say I want to die. They say I want to get kills. But kills don't get you like it's not a game where at the end, the person with the most kills gets the victory. I've I, uh, my best ever kill was you know ten kills in one game. I didn't win, so that's not <laughs> like you don't. It, it gives you your rank, and it might tell you about how many points you got and stuff like that. But the points aren't the game. It's the survival that's the game. It's a survival simulator. And this week, I don't think Paul, you were there, but. Um, I played three games in a row with a bunch of people, uh, four people, and we won all four of them. Uh, so our, all three of the games with the four people. And I didn't use any weapons at all. 
I did. I deliberately didn't pick up any offensive weapons, like to shoot people or crossbow people or anything like that. I just got smokes and heels and armor and vehicles and and more smokes, so I could avoid getting killed. the the point The point of this game is kind of the point of this novel, right? And the point of that terrible novel, I think, really, really terrible novel called uh, Lord of the Flies. If you've read that book, it's it, it has a very um, awful message, I think. Mm-hmm. And y'all have, yes. right? Yeah. Yes. Heinlein's saying no to that book in this book. He's saying, yes, we are in the war of all against all. This is uh, Leviathan, a famous uh, essay. I can't remember the author's name, but he, he's... Yeah. He wrote a a book very early on. Thomas Hobbes. Hobbes, that's right, um, in history of po- political science, and basically he's saying we're we're born into a world of all a war of all against all, and we the, must submit yep. to a king in order to uh, have civilization. Now, I disagree with that, and mm-hmm. this book disagrees with it, but in a different way. He says we must have civil more importantly we must have government that's the greatest thing he doesn't agree uh with the idea that we should always be jaw jawing all the time but he also is doesn't come to Better a really jaw jaw than war war though well that is what people say specifically churchill right but, right Right, but well, I mean, I'm not I'm sure like, that's not a pacifist. I'm not I mean, sure that that's a good choice because what you're doing is you're setting a f- false dichotomy. Sometimes jaw jaw is about war war, right? And who was yes. who was in favor of war war? Churchill. He wanted a war. He got the war. What did it do to his country? Fucked it up pretty good. He won it, quote unquote. But what happened in the fifties? A lot of like rationing. For like until the sixties, right? I mean, Churchill didn't bring about the war. The, the circumstances of the world. <laughs> he 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 may have determined the way that Britain went into the war uh, eventually, um, but there there was war was inevitable, unless Britain just said, "Okay, Hitler, do whatever you want." He couldn't have probably have done that anyways. He probably would not have been able to keep a government if he had said, hey, Hitler, do what you want. He was specifically brought in as a war government, right? Right. Because um, right. he had but, been I in mean, favor. You, you made it sound like Hitler, I mean, like Churchill wanted war and so he, he got did. it. But he did it's want complicated. war. Yes, he did, and he got it, but and it's not got, like he brought it about himself. Well, he kind of did, too, and if you stretch it back, he was in World War I. Well, why was he in World War I? Because he wanted war, right? So his his saying, jaw-jaw is better than war-war, is ironic, considering he's a war-war guy. What was he doing? I mean, I mean, I mean he, 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 he was one of the guiding forces behind Gallipoli. And look how well yes. that turned out. And, and, yes. and that wasn't I'm not his saying first. He was great. I'm just not no. saying. And that yeah, wasn't his first war either. He also had a war with the Boers, right? Mm-hmm. And the thing is, is you know, I'm not saying you know he's responsible for World War II wholly, but he ain't unresponsible. In fact, if you look around the room, uh, for who's responsible for Britain to get into World War II, it's him, right? If if you had to pin it on one person, it would be him. Now, I, I 
You think Chamberlain had something to do with it too and a lot of other people. But it was a series of, of governments who made that decision. It wasn't the people. The people were busy doing their home stuff. Governments tell them they need to go do this. And they conscript them, right? It wasn't like a, a one-way system. So this book is arguing with that, uh, with the idea of what governments are for and how they do. And it's very – it's like a light introduction to this concept. But it is absolutely opposed, I think, to the kind of uh, message that Lord of the Flies is going for, which is um, – very harsh, but also very realistic, right? It, it has a lot of mass hysteria style psychology, which we have in the real world, right? So it, yeah, that's why I it's a powerful it, it may have book been you want to argue very with. Realist- Sorry. No, I, I'm just saying that's why that is that's why Heinlein is arguing with it with this book is because it has it it, it is speaking to something real. But it's coming to a conclusion that he doesn't want to settle on, which is, you know, he he is, I think, in favor of uh, uh, civilization and <laughs> square dancing and 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 sort of making a, a monoculture out of uh, a, a population, a scattered population. And how do you incorporate immigrants? Right, all that stuff is in this book in a in a microcosm, but it's done as a, um, a kind of sweet medicine that you can't taste uh, his ideological goals in writing it. Um, I, I was reading the TV Tropes um, mm-hmm. um, website, and it said that uh, Lord of the Fly, that uh, Tunnel in the Sky was written in response to Lord of the Flies. Heinlein disagreed with the viewpoint that savagery and barbarism were humanity's natural impulse in the absence of civilization. Ironically, Golding had written Lord of the Fries, uh, Flies for similar rebuttal, having disagreed with the Coral Island, mm-hmm. which I haven't read, but I know you did. No, I uh, haven't read. I just read about you it, have, like you. You, you. you mentioned it in, yeah. a, in a quote, where stranded young men are living peacefully until native savages threaten them. I thought you had read it and no. you could explain No, this. no, I, I, <laughs> uh, I tweeted maybe to you and saying like is this a show and i'm like maybe let's consider it <laughs> oh i think so so if, if everything is a rebuttal i think people are probably it's going a conversation for sure it's right? a conversation it's not like this is exactly totally what i believe it's like let's explore over here mm-hmm. and and like william uh golding took it far mm-hmm. well i was going to say i think it really depends a lot on your starting population's uh culture if you start out with a bunch of boys from a toxic British boys' school uh, who are already (laughs) heavily invested in the uh, pecking order, um, you're probably going to have a very unhealthy society on your stranded island. Whereas if you start out with basically a bunch of Boy Scouts and and Girl Scouts, (laughs) Mm -hmm. like, like this story did, you have a much better chance of a positive result. And Mm -hmm. so I think, you know, part of that is just the, uh, the idea that it's not good to generalize from your limited experience and say people will revert to sag- savagery mm-hmm. because you've been raised in a rather savage uh, uh, system with a veneer of civilization. He, mm-hmm. what's, what's so interesting about that book is it's, it's a real brutal read, right, uh, Lord of the Flies? Oh, yeah. I do not like the book. Uh, I think it's important. I think we probably should read it. I don't think kids should be forced to read it. I think they should (laughs) 
pick it up uh, because they want to engage with uh, <laughs> Heinlein's novel. <laughs> Um, and maybe they want to read the, uh, like me, the Coral Island after, you know, seeing this dialogue tape sh- take shape. But what, what's so interesting about that book is the framing. It, and it's never really focused on in the book because that's not what the book is focused on. It's that they're, the reason they're on that island is because they're being sent away from a nuclear war, right? <laughs> the, the the human uh adults who are sending these boy school boys off away from their civilization are doing so to save them from the fucking up of the planet and and the war warring they're doing uh with each other that is i think so important to understanding the book but when you you know you're forced to deal with it in school which i have many times because so many of my students have to read it, they're like, oh, what are the themes? <laughs> and, like, the teachers never focus on that, right? They never focus on the, the – it is all about the brutality of boys to each other and the cruelty and the existential nature of we're all stuck in our own heads or something like that. I mean, I'm over-reading usually what they're, they're asking the kids to dig out. Mostly it's like, who did – who said what in chapter what about what – what is it? <laughs> Like that sort of shit. Um, what's it, what's really interesting about that book is I don't think that book is for children at all. Whereas I Mm-mm. think this one is, Mm-mm. and I know yes. that the original one, that uh, Coral Island, which is from eighteen eighteen fifty seven, very old book, is mm-hmm. is uh, for children. Like it was aimed at uh, young kids, and that's different than uh, I don't think William uh, William Golding's book. Seems like it's for kids because there's kids in it, but I think Suzanne Collins is much more right about her book being for kids uh, because there's kids in it than that one is because that one it, it doesn't it doesn't make its message as easy to understand as it is. It, it's like you walk out of that book thinking, "Well, I guess we're all fucked," <laughs> which it might be might be the case. But I think it's a, a slightly too cynical read rather than a, a skeptical and uh, careful read of what's going on with people. Yeah, we are kind of fucked, but it isn't because uh, we can't get along with each other. It's because we have leaders who say stuff like jaw jaw is better than war war. And they s- make really nice sounding speeches like our first mayor but really don't know how to make things not end up in war. Right. That there's so much of this book that is that setup isn't just to make us enjoy, you know, get into the book before we have to have the lectures of the, of the endless Soviets, endless committee meetings, right. (laughs) That those committee meetings are a thing that happen in reality and if you're not paying attention to them, people can do things like mandate, right? Mandatory. That's what those two words go together. You have to join the army. You have to do what you, your stuff has been requisitioned. Your home is, you're going to have to move out of your home, right? And so this, right. I, the, all the things that are engaging in this story are not actually the science fictional, like uh, dilating of the, uh, the time gate portal thing, like all that stuff is just to get us to where we can have this experience of a war of all against all, 
right? Why does Rod get attacked by one of the other boys? Why do we think that he might get attacked by one of the other boys? Because Heinlein needs us to be not in a state where they're all on SEER training. You guys know about SEER, S-E-R-E? It's like a, no. it's a survival escape uh, rescue. Um, it's basically yeah. what uh, you're a pilot and you get shot down over uh, some mm-hmm. jungle and you have – there's some good movies about this, uh, including by – who's your favorite German uh, filmmaker, Misa? Um. <laughs> <laughs> he has a really nice voice. Yes, yes. What is his yeah. name? What's his name? <laughs> Anyways, he, he – he, uh, <laughs> By the end of the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Werner, uh, Werner Herzog. Werner Herzog. Werner Herzog. Okay. He made a, a movie about um, a, a true uh, – there was like this – oh, the, the documentary is called Little, Little Dieter Wants to Fly. Um, and it's about a kid growing up in the, uh, like the ruins of Germany after World War II. And he sees these American fighter planes going overhead and he says, I want to do that. And he emigrates to the United States and – learns to fly and uh, gets himself involved in the Vietnam war, because that's, if you want to fly easiest way to get a, a free training is to, you know, join the a Navy or whatever. And he gets shot down over, this is a true story. He gets shot down over Vietnam and then has to hike out um, because no, nobody's coming to rescue him. And uh, they, then I think Herzog remade it as a drama with um, one of the guys who played Batman or something. One of those very talented actors. Anyways, um, Liam <laughs> Neeson, maybe? No, 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 no. No, no who's the? Who, he played uh, American Psycho. Who's that actor? Oh, Christian Bale. Christian Bale. Yeah. Um, it's a pretty good movie. I've seen it myself. Christian no, Bale. I have not. Werner Herzog. Werner. Uh, it's called Rescue Dawn. It's two thousand six, um, and it's based. It yeah, it's a good movie. Um, it's very um, beautiful to see. It's, it says it's on Prime. Um, and uh, it's what's funny is it's a drama based on a real story. And there's a documentary that I think precedes it. Or maybe it was bundled with it uh, on the DVD or whatever. But um, the fact that, you know, you've got this war of all against all. Everybody out there in the jungle and the tigers and all the leeches, all the things that want to kill you. Why does, when Rod comes out of this gate, uh, get immediately attacked by one of his fellow comrades in this thing? Because it's a metaphor. It's not because that was like part of the plan. It's only for this story to work together. That's why that relationship with Jack is so important. Like, Mm-hmm. the knife scene and all you know w- whether they can be on the same team or not and what what it you know w- i think we're supposed to think that they're gonna fall fall into a couple later um but their relationship is pretty um pretty uh i want to say secular but that's not what it is it's a romantic Right. They yeah, just, yeah, because just just Trish was making a point before about mm-hmm. a, about the about Rod being a, a an arrow or an aromantic character without Heinlein actually using that phrase or thinking in those terms. And I didn't think about that at the time, even though to my shame I have friends who are. And now Trish, I see now that you've 
articulate that, Trish. I see your point. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think you have a, I think you have something there about that. Well, uh, he's do he's not romantic with her because he thinks he's a dude, right? Mm-hmm. No, but he's not romantic with Carolyn either. I mean, I mean, he's so he's so um, he's so focused on he's community and colony. Chase, chase, not even so chase. I mean, he's oblivious. It's like it's it's like well, it's like that's he, a standard no, for he's, Heinlein characters he's, as well. Yeah, but he says until I'm not mayor anymore. Yeah, yeah. He didn't say forever. Yeah, so no, I'm not, but he says I'm not interested. But that, but given the circumstances and that he thought they were trapped forever on that planet, he might as well have said, you know, when I'm not married, I mean, when I'm not mayor could as well be when, when we're back in Jerusalem or whatever. Yeah, uh, but uh, yeah. Uh, on the other hand, I, I still think of, like, how old is this kid? So at the end of the book, when we we see his dad talking about transferring governorship over this boy to from the sister back to the dad, right? Mm-hmm. He got to be still 17 years old, right? So he was yeah, I think he's like 18 fi- years old. Yeah, he must have been like 16 at the, at the at the most when he goes on this trip. And when he comes out, um he still needs you know, he's still treated as a child. Right? So he can't if they were gone away just under 2 years. Um He's he's still seventeen when he comes back, so the fact mm-hmm. that he doesn't want to get married, <laughs> uh, and and you know uh, this is a planet with no birth control, right? So as soon, what happens as soon as uh, people get married, it, it, Heinlein's got a, a morality in the background of this story that is very American, um, mm-hmm. and very you know save it for your marriage sort of thing. So if you want to start dating somebody, essentially what you're doing is you're getting married. Uh, Were the first two that got married, the missionaries? Yeah. Yeah. That's how, yeah. but they both wanted yeah. to be missionaries, right? Yeah. Missionary, <laughs> missionary positioning. Uh, <laughs> no, that's, a, that's a very Mormon sort of point of view. Yeah, like, it is. Cause I have friends who are Mormons. And yeah. That's, that's, that's kind of how that goes with a lot of that community. Well, they're very, they're very, um, Thinking about it a lot, it's their their culture is more explicit than uh, the rest of American culture, and I think Heinlein knows that. It's it, it, they're yeah. you know they make it clear this is what we do. This is these are the restrictions we put on ourselves, um, and so the fact that you know he doesn't uh, date Carolyn, um, and he's a bit oblivious. Uh, uh, we get it from her point of view, right? Um, but she's also a bit... Uh, we don't have perfect access to our own minds all, all a lot of the time. So um, I think this is a very, very good book. Um, I do not rate it as uh, my favorite Heinlein juvenile at all, but um, really good book. So I want to talk about the ending. Mm-hmm. Oh, here we go. <laughs> go for it, Trish. Okay, so... Nothing nothing that Highland does is really illogical. I just found it tremendously unsatisfying okay. that all the kids, even the ones who were, you know, married and had children already uh, and were college age when they started out, just completely abandoned the work that they had done in establishing the colony. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it's... Except they, for they Rod. Had, they, well, yes, except for him. They had proved out their settlership and they would have been had 
they would have had legal rights to the land that they had been uh, uh, working. Improving, um, yeah. Yeah, and and they all just went home to be kids again, and maybe for a 16-year-old, but for a 22-year-old who had, you know, put blood and sweat and tears into it, I just didn't quite buy that they all left um to go back for a visit yes but to go back with no guarantee that you'd ever get any benefit out of what you'd poured your heart into for mm-hmm. two years i didn't buy that they would all leave of course it made for a sharper conflict point mm-hmm. with with rod to be abandoned there mm-hmm. well not abandoned but to be left there all on his own mm-hmm. but it just felt unreal to me um and then for him to be Oh, great. My my old teacher, uh, Dr. Matson, which mm-hmm. cracked me up every time I heard that. Um, uh, and uh, <laughs> from, for, for, for his old teacher to show up married to his sister, and they begged him to come back, and he was like, no, I'm staying here. And then, oh, my parents are alive. Okay, I'll abandon everything, too. It just really... Yeah, I, I can super see. Super unsatisfying. I can see to why. Me. I can see, you know, I agree that it is sort of to put Rod in that situation. And that is actually the situation the reader is into because we're seeing it from Rod's point of view. We agree with him mostly. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. On the other hand, um, knowing how people's psychology works, there, there's a, a fun thing that he does before that, before he gets them uh, to all abandon this place that they've put so much time and effort into. One of the things they do, one of the things he does is he has everybody go around the room explaining how they would never ever want to go back. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yep. Now, uh, have you ever uh, talked to a person who's in a romantic relationship with somebody else and then they, uh, they think, you know, they're making all these plans and then, um, and then something happens that, you know, you're not party to and then, They've suddenly switched, and <laughs> you get sort of a whiplash, <laughs> jet lag effect, where you like, "Well, wait, wait a minute. Uh, I thought you two were a couple, right?" <laughs> and the thing is, is if you see this enough happening enough times, you understand that people talk themselves into all sorts of stuff. And mm-hmm. one of the yeah. things that you know the doctor uh, trainee is saying is, you know, I want to have uh, the things that would make me a better oh, doctor. Sure. So we it understand made for him yeah. to go back. Sure. We understand his his point of view, but um, <clears throat> if you've ever been on a camping trip, and I have, and I I decided camping is uh, <laughs> not for me after enough times of do- it, you you make all sorts of compromises, right? So if you can't, if there's something called glamping, <laughs> glamorous <laughs> yeah. camping, where basically. You're just, it's just your airbnb at some place, right? Yeah, your airbnb in a cabin. Yeah, and there's <laughs> yeah, electricity yeah. and Wi-Fi and television, and basically you're on, you're on vacation, and it's not a hotel. Okay, got it. Um, but then there's this other extreme, which is, you know, you're just sleeping uh, in, a, in a tree with a very flimsy... Uh, uh, you know, net to keep the bugs off you. And when it rains, you get cold and you get wet and you can heat up whatever's in your backpack. But really, you're, it's like being homeless. It's a homeless simulator. And you say, yeah. well, why am I doing that? Well, because you're out in nature. Well, if you build a house out in nature, blah, 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 you go for a walk. We can make so- sort of all sorts of 
explanations to ourselves as to why something is good or something is bad. And so I agree, structurally, it's needed for that scene, and it's a way to end the book. But I also <clears throat> think back to the early parts of the book where Jack is talking about, he said, what do you want to do today? And she says something like, I'd like to get a big bowl of ice cream. Or, no, it was a, a malted, right? Yeah. And then I do this, yeah. and then I get another malted. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> and a hot shower, right? And all this stuff. <laughs> And, and earlier, when Dr. Matson is saying what people miss, he's he's like it tobacco and coffee. Uh-huh. Like it's the you know the, the the tiny things that you take for granted. Can you imagine not having was, coffee again in the rest of your life when you you've loved coffee? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I can see like it was abrupt, and yes, yes, I would stay here forever because I have no choice. So you said. Um, so you but, you yeah, make a shower and a coffee on the other side, right? So it's pretty tempting. I, I have a, a a godfather who is sort of the last remnant of a whole back to the land movement who moved to an island, you know, with no electricity and in the 70s. And I, my mom and dad went there and they lived there and there was no electricity and they whatever food or, you know, was growing on the island or whatever – it was just very hard. My mom's like, I, I'm not going to do this anymore. So she like moved away. And my dad's like, I guess we're moving. <laughs> right? <laughs> um, but my uncle, or not my uncle, my uh, godfather, he's still there, right? He's the only one. He's the mayor <laughs> who was left behind. And yeah, he found yeah. a way to make it work uh, for him. But can you blame everybody else for wanting to have a hospital nearby to have a, a vehicle that can take you to the hospital nearby to get be able to get fresh groceries that aren't ones you grow in your two thousand or four thousand square square foot greenhouse, which you have to maintain. Right? Yeah, five years till we get bread. Is that what he said? Yeah, right. And yeah. and the thing is, is or you could just go down to the store, right? <laughs> <laughs> you could go. And, and the 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 fact that coffee is grown in South America and in Asia and in Africa makes it really hard for me to imagine that I'm going to go get it myself. And there was a there's a book that I think about a little bit. I never read, but I I heard a lot of podcasts and real audio streams about it early on when it was out on the internet. You know, the book was published. It was about a guy who who decided to make a toaster out of uh, everything that a toaster is made out of, but he you know he needs to mine the ore to make the (laughs) copper and he made the plastic you know to make it a literal toaster from scratch using just the raw materials and that book is about that this is i think the same guy who like lived uh by the bible for a year (laughs) you know not shaving and following all the and trying to figure out uh, all the rules that are in the bible that give you you know advice as to how to live your life um and doing those things didn't, is very hard, but didn't Carl Sagan say something like that about uh, baking a pie or something? Yeah, yeah, he he said that in order to bake a pie, you must first invent the universe. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> indeed, indeed. And uh, our blacksmith complains about how uh, some there's a, some not very many straw man characters, which I, one of the good things in point of this book. There's not that many. Well, there's a few voices out there in the background of the com- this community. Um, mm-hmm. uh, saying, you know, we could invent a, <laughs> a, a portal back to Earth. I'm like, 
I can't yeah. even I can't even make Mm-mm. the tools to make the tools that we need to make the tools to make the tools <laughs> to make that. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the, 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 the scientist kid is kind of a little impractical. It's like, yeah, there's no way you can build a portal guy. Um, <laughs> so, so, oh, uh, never mind. I, I lost my train of thought for a second, so go on. Um, All right. So I also wanted to ask, why does Robert Heinlein hate reporters and and the press and media so much? Have you met them? I've- <laughs> Uh, Why, yes, I have, Jesse. I have met many fine, honorable journalists. I know that tabloid journalists exist and are bad, but Mm. is there any any positive image of a reporter ever in any of Heinlein's books? Well, I will tell you one thing that uh, inspired this book that um, we haven't talked about yet is the fact that Heinlein ran for office himself, right? And Mm -hmm. he failed. Um, he doesn't think that the guy who won was better than him, and he was right. What a shock! <laughs> he's probably right in thinking that that that's true. But a lot of what goes on in uh, the reportage of uh, politics is nothing to do with how qualified or knowledgeable the can- candidate is, and a lot more to do with you know party politics and in groups and out groups and cliques and all that stuff so that that when that happens in the book where you know rod is the leader of this uh group of people because people think he makes a good leader for whatever reason um Mm -hmm. he's suddenly not that and the people who are rod's friends explain to him you know if it hadn't happened that night, uh, you would be in charge and blah, blah, blah. I'm not so sure Rod's leadership skills are uh, as important as the fact that he's uh, coincidentally the main character of the book. Um, yeah, and he's basically likable, apparently. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah he seems like Which a, a nice for a kid. Politics. Right? He's got principles. He's, he's thoughtful. He um, but, but, yeah, but there's an interesting tension in this book because, see, I mean, we go, we go for, his, for his sort of almost like yeah, dictatorship's not the right word. It's like him directing things to him getting basically sidelined by committees and discussion, and then him basically after after the previous mayor dies, him basically taking over again. So it's really, so it really has an interesting tension between being power as an individual in a community and power shared through a community. That Heinlein's argument isn't that direct because he's writing, basically writing. A YA novel here, but he has, he's saying he's saying very interesting and not clearly on one side or the other who is right. I mean, we have the whole thing with Rod saying, "Oh no, we need to leave here. We need to go to the caves," and it looks like he's an idiot until the giant migration happens. Yeah, and then it looks like, "Oh no, he was like right wrong for the he was right for the wrong reason," sort of thing. Yeah, and it's interesting they didn't go there, right? They didn't. They didn't. Go, yeah, yeah. yeah then, even then, after then, the disaster, mm-hmm. then he stubbornly and, decided, "No, we have to stay in very, this one place. Right, right, location we, is a memorial to this guy I didn't even really like that right, much." Right. Yeah, we, we spent. You know how much he said, complains about uh, how important it was that they have a constitution to these reporters who show up. Mm-hmm. Like, was the constitution the important thing, Rod? Is that what you think was the important thing? Because he does, and he's wrong. He does. 
Um, what is they had, you can have a society without having a written constitution, for sure. In fact, the you, British, for example. In fact, <laughs> you, you might better have a society without having a majorly written constitution. I, I kept thinking about um, the articles, the pirate articles. I've talked about them on the podcast before. I don't doubt you were all on all that. But um, there was a, a tweet uh, showing those cave paintings, you know, the uh, people's painting animals in caves. They're you know, well, typically also, in France yeah. and stuff, you know, southern France. Werner Herzog made a movie about Yeah, those yeah. <laughs> of course. <laughs> it was the Cave of Dreams or cave something. Cave of Forgotten, like. yeah. There we go. Um, so one of the th- ones I saw was yesterday, I think it was, on Twitter, um, is a whole bunch of hands, and, you know, they show how, if you watch the documentaries, they show that people get the paint in their mouth and they spray it on their hand and that leaves sort of a hand mark on the wall and you see all these hands and uh was it one guy or was it a bunch of people and i i was like uh reading this book so i was like this is the signing of the articles when you don't have paper right Mm. uh, when you when you join a pirate ship if you get you know attacked by a pirate ship and you're a, a sailor on that ship um they either join or you get cast off right you're not part of the society but if you do join you have to abide by the articles and they're basically like uh designed to prevent the ship from being sunk right like don't have fire open uh below decks if you're gonna smoke smoke on the upper deck it's not that you can't smoke it's that you can't have it below decks because you have to have (laughs) access to the water so that you can put out the fire, right? And it's like, oh, yeah, that's pretty reasonable. And, like, drinking, no drinking on duty, but you can drink as much. It doesn't say you can drink as much as you want. It's just no drinking when on watch, right? And, you know, right. like, very, very reasonable. And and then sometimes they get oddly specific, like, if you're going to have a, a no no boys or or women on the ship because it causes fights. And if there is a fight, uh, from article stolen, this is how it'll be settled. You get your nose slit or you get your ear slit. <laughs> if it happens again or you want to get into a fight, that happens on the shore so that you know we don't catch cut, get anybody on the ship. It's too small to fight, right? Like they have a bunch of rules, but those rules are not for uh, committees and stuff like that. The captain of the ship is elected, but he's elected for combat, right? When they're going after a prize and anything else they decide to do, like go west, go east, go north, they vote. And when the. I think cor- it depends depends a bit on the captain. Uh, Some of those captains are going to make their own decisions. Well, I don't think it's not like every pirate ship there, that existed said, oh, okay, here are, we'll download the pirate rules and everybody will follow them. They uh, all made well, up their own uh, I will. I will suggest you have a look at that, uh, the list of the pirate codes on Wikipedia. And what you notice about them is they are almost all, all identical. And it isn't that they downloaded the pirate code. What they did is they downloaded their brain and they said, <laughs> what makes sense? What's reasonable? And the things were that's like, for example, all the ships had captains and they all had quartermasters. Some of them also have like uh, other ranks in between, and they talk about shares, like what percentage of a of right. a of a capture they get. And sometimes mm-hmm. the captain would get four shares, 
or sometimes he would only get double shares or like the quartermaster would get one and a half shares or sometimes they'd be equal. Mm -hmm. But there was always more pay for people who were put in positions of responsibility because nobody wants that fucking job. It's a terrible job. People don't like you. People are mad at you. You have to yell at people. You're always getting into beefs with people, right? And that, that happens in this book. But what's interesting is you also have this matter of how does this come about? And I, I think about like how I do this podcast with you guys. I don't command you to come on the show. I say, hey, anybody want to do this? And I'm like, oh, this sounds like no, a you, Paul book. You just, com- you just command me to go play PUBG. <laughs> no, I invite you, Paul. It literally I'm, is an I'm invitation. Joking. I'm joking. <laughs> okay. I literally invite you. And then yeah, you, if you want to follow me to where I'm landing, that's cool. Some people want me to do what they want to do. Sometimes I will do it. But I'm thinking about like what's, what's the best way to get to that end goal? Right. Not I'm not trying to hog all the loot for me. (laughs) I'm trying to think, like, what will be the way for us to get to that end goal? And I'm not saying, like, I'm the captain of the ship because there was no election. Right. And there is no ranking like that in in that. But what's interesting is I I keep rewatching and listening to Blake seven. They are Mm -hmm. uh, there's a line explicitly. um in one episode where Blake wants to do something, he doesn't want to tell the crew, uh, his crew of, uh, you know, outlaws what he's doing. Um, and they've got a ship and he, he tells the ship to go to a certain place. And, um, one of the people, when they find out what the ship is doing, they say to Blake, um, why did you change course? And he says, I don't want to tell you that. (laughs) <laughs> and just listen to me who leads on this ship and they have a little beef and she says you lead you don't command mm. that's a big difference right between right. Yeah. what's going on in the book between the first mayor and the second mayor between grant or whatever his name is and and rod and you know whatever the rules are like getting to the ultimate goal which is, you know, building the fence or making, getting coal or whatever it is, has to be based on like some sort of logical um, development of what humans cooperate, right? When, when you go hunting, uh, when Rod gets mad at Carolyn, right? Mm-hmm. He's right to be mad. Now, mm-hmm. that's not because she did something that was immoral. It's because... It was against a plan that was established, which these things can involve death, right? One of your, one of our characters gets kicked in the ribs, right? And almost dies from that, from uh, not making a clean kill. Um, If you don't know what the plan, if you're a predator and you're going after prey and you don't know what the plan is, if you don't have a strategy that always works, you get killed. And this is true in PUBG, Paul. If, if people, um, you know, aren't on the ball, they die, right? <laughs> you mean like me, often. <laughs> uh, well, but the thing is, is, you know, you're not good at shooting the guns and stuff. Um, I'm okay at it, but what I'm really good at is is avoiding getting killed. I just want to get away, right? Get a bike and run away. Don't stay. And the, they're all different kinds of strategies. But one of the strategies people have is a stupid strategy, which is 
I want to be lazy about this. Or I'm fearful about something, and so I don't want to think about it, and so I don't do the thing that's necessary to do, right? And this is our reality in our our life. So when I play with other people, Paul, we get a big cross-section of of the only thing that these people have in common that the randos on the internet is they have the game and they're playing it. That's or and maybe they have microphones and some and, 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 and complaining about bodily functions. Yeah, so there's one guy who was going on and on about <laughs> diarrhea, and the reason he was doing that is because it's a trigger, right? It's it's designed to make you laugh. It's designed to make you put other people off balance. It's just it's a way of getting at people you can't physically get at. And the thing well, is, he's our teammate, and he's trying to. He's just, us. he's just, he's just not a guy who reads a lot of books. Okay, Paul. <laughs> and there are no, a lot of them out there. He doesn't talk endlessly on bodily functions. Come on. <laughs> it was one specific bodily function. He, it's his material uh, that he's working on, right? Uh, one guy I played with one time. He, <laughs> when we came into the match, he was already talking. And he was like going on and on and on and up about all these discoveries he's made about, you know, real realities uh, behind the politics of the world. And uh, the other teammates who are, again, not readers, you know, they just play games and watch movies and do their life. Or the one guy we played with, Paul, um, he just smokes marijuana all day long. That's all he does, right? Um, <laughs> you know, he's always talking about smoking bowls. Like... These people exist out there. How do they exist? Well, they can't be like the leader like Rod is, right? They, they, they're not uh, out taking courses to become doctors like some of our characters. They're not going to join the military unless they're forced into it, and then that would probably be a bad fit for them. So how do we all get along? Well, we all share sort of common goals, and sometimes we're good at it, and sometimes we're bad at it. And that's what this book is. It It is, I think, um, a bit naive in a lot of places, like with the common culture around the world. On the other hand, um, I think that idea of disenfranchising some of the people because they're too young, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yesterday, uh, before the podcast started, I was talking about the some lady was upset that I was calling out the geriatric elite uh, based on that movie, Don't Look Up. Well, that's the movie's doing that. I'm just pointing out that that's what the movie's doing. I'm putting words mm-hmm. to it, and she's she says, "I know what ger- uh, gerontocracy is." I'm like, well, you, you asked like you didn't, but the thing is, is it is a gerontocracy. Kids are not allowed to vote for whether we go to war or not. The laws are imposed on children, <laughs> whether they want those laws or not. So mm-hmm. at some point, we decide what what whether to listen to the kids or not in any society, even if it's on a planet like this, right? We have to decide at what point does the sailor on the ship who's sailing with us get a vote on the pirate ship? And usually mm-hmm. we we pick an age, but that's actually not the best way to do it. It's when we think that their vote is important, their voice should be heard, right? Rather than dismissed, because... You know, the kid wants more candy. Well, we only have a, two more candies and there's two more kids. Sorry, kid. So the fact that we've got all these different kinds of people uh, on our sailing ship, planet Earth, and the leadership's very, very bad, and they've done this gerontocracy thing where you have to be 35 to be president, right? Why? 
because we don't want any youngsters. Okay. And then if you look at the median age for people in Congress, the median age is 61. <laughs> so there's some young, yeah. younger folks in there, and they're bringing that number down. But, but, but yeah, but for, for listeners who are maybe not math uh, oriented, median means it's the middle number. That means exactly half or below 61 and a half or above 61. Yeah. So it's even worse than you think. At, at, well, uh, when Strom Thurmond was like 100, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Nancy Pelosi's 80, I think. And that's standard, right? When you find a relatively young person like uh, the chick from Arizona who does the curtsy when she says no to things. Um, oh, you mean Senator Cinema, right. Yeah. She's, she's bringing that number way down. But it's a gerontocracy of, of a certain class of Well, people. she's not bringing it way down because the median, remember, just – I mean, just maybe it's not the median. Moves, maybe it's the average. Notch. It might be the average. Oh, what, yeah, I don't. Uh, it's on the Wikipedia entry. I'm just pointing out that you know it is a gerontocracy, and the fact that you know the president in that movie is uh, uh, you know it, it, the important part at, at the end, right? She even forgot her own kid. <laughs> if you haven't seen the movie, <laughs> yeah. uh, it's pretty funny. Jared or whatever his name is, um, he gets left behind on planet Earth, and and. Everybody there on this new Eden is ancient, and they're all nude for some reason because the metaphor, right? Yeah. Um, so I guess it's a, a little bit related, oh, isn't it? Oh, okay. So I want to correct, make a correction for our listeners. The average age of senators average. in 2007 was 62 years. Yeah. So, so that's not median. I'm, now I'm curious. I'd have to have a list of all their ages. I'm curious what the median is. Oh. Because – because it's a number. Because and it's I remember not long be... ago that understanding the median and the and the average are important in uh, understanding what what numbers really mean. Mm-hmm. So doing both. When we're choosing a leader, we don't usually think of what kids want. But at what point are you a kid? Right. Everybody there who's going through the gate, obviously, is it's a kind of you know threshold moment where we think if you're going through. And, Physical, literal, mm-hmm. and uh, psychological. Yeah, it's like this is this is transporting to another world. It's going through a stargate. Mm-hmm. It's it's transporting what you who and what you are. Yeah, uh, and uh, notice how much of the end where his teacher is telling him about about reasons to go back. Um, it's like you don't want to be you don't want to take off the adulthood hat and be a kid again in school and told to wipe your feet and all that stuff. Um, but but all the other kids do, as was pointed out. I don't know if it was Trish or or Mice pointed out. Yeah, they all basically just do that, which is kind of. But like, I think that that's uh, putting it wrongly. It's that's what he sees it as, right? But hmm. they're all under him in a certain sense because they didn't have the burden of the responsibility. He, he, he's not the. He's not. Yeah, he's the leader. That and yet Heinlein kind of undercuts Rod's sort of. Defiance, because the, what's the, the name of the chapter where he's all alone? Achilles uh, sulking in his tent. Yes, yes it doesn't yeah. say Very sulking, Paul, like, Paul, but that's the implication. You're uh, it's it, in Achilles' tent is, I think, the title, the illusion of oh, the oh, title. Oh, maybe it's like in Achilles' tent. It's like, but it is sulking. You're right. It, it is. Yeah, it was a God, very clear reference. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's clear as long as you know the <laughs> the, the original if, if, source. If you, if you know the classical reference, the chapter like, titles. I'll read them, and some of these have quotation marks. 
Those are mm-hmm. the ones where th- those words are spoken in the chapter. The first one, um, this is uh, of the three uh, images of notes I tweeted today. Um, the only one we haven't talked about is the first image. Um, it's chapter one, the marching hordes. And in uh, one of these pictures I found when doing a, a show on probably the marching morons by uh, C.M. Kornbluth. Um, mm-hmm. And also uh, the Yellow Peril. I did a show on the Yellow Peril. Um, uh, so there's this image of the Earth, and you see a long line of Chinese, and it says underneath that uh, curves over the surface of the Earth, and it's referenced explicitly in this book. The marching Chinese. If all the Chinese in the world were to march four abreast past a given point, they would never finish passing, though they marched forever and ever. And then in parentheses it says underneath, based on a U.S. Army uh, on U.S. Army marching regulations. Now Heinlein debunks this yes. early on in the <laughs> book, right? He says, "Well, that sounds right, but actually, uh, it would only take two years or something like that." Um, now this is actually the premise of the book in a certain sense. Um, if you look at the uh, codes or tags for it on ISFDB. Uh, one of them is overpopulation, right? The Earth is mm-hmm. overpopulated. The only thing mm-hmm. that's imported to Earth is is food. And yeah. and yet, I mean, for all that, Heinlein didn't seem to realize that mostly throughout history, emigration doesn't didn't solve population pressures. I mean, there are exceptions, Ireland during the famine, but in general, emigration of of people did not really. Ha- act too much as a safe boat. And that's something that Heinlein doesn't, Heinlein's not the only one who gets wrong. One, one of the, um, the co-dominium Empire Man universe Jerry Parnell and Larry Never Nike, the book in God's Eye, before mm-hmm. that kind of goes with the Bureau of Relocation sending people off of Earth. But yeah, if emigration doesn't solve your population problems, it, um, unless you're in such a state like, say, the Irish famine that Literally, people are starving to that. That's the only time emigration would actually usually deal with a, usually emigration deal with a doesn't happen on a for long term basis. Usually, yeah. emigration doesn't happen for for overpopulation reasons. It usually happens right. because there's political uh, problems caused by governments. Either there's an invasion by a neighbor or a repressive government. Australia is populated with prisoners not because uh, you know. There were, uh, there was a, an island needing to be filled with people, but rather they had a repressive government in the UK that made all sorts of things illegal when they just didn't want to do reforms. This is a way of avoiding to do reforms to make your government work for your people. So you just export what you think of as our problems, right? You say, oh, there's thieves and there's murderers and there's. Uh, Un- unmarried women and all these yeah. terrible slatterns and right. Th- th- this is the way you you know you deplorableize people and you just send them <laughs> off away. And this uh, happens internally, especially within the United States, where people have a lot of freedom of movement to move from state to state. Right? This happened in the 30s, Dust Bowl eras, and before that, yep. the Oregon, right? The Oregon, even tra- the Oregon Hollywood. Trail, yep. Hollywood is an escape from New Jersey. All the filmmakers who worked in the New York area were trying to get away from Thomas Edison, who had corrupted 
the courts so that he nobody could make films without paying him royalties. So they fled mm. and they went to a place on the opposite side of the country, not because it was sunny skies good for filming, but rather could escape and get to a place that wasn't corrupted by one particular guy. Um, then they could make their own corruption and eventually, <laughs> you know, drive people out of the country to go other places. This happens over and over and over again. So yeah, it isn't overpopulation as much as a kind of problem. And he's he is not addressing that in this book, right? Did did you think it was not a little much. strange that they have this huge overpopulation pro- problem and then they were also putting people in stasis? Yes. <laughs> Something could bring which, them back. Which, which, which kind of reminded me of uh, what was the Philip K. Dick novel? Philip K. Dick novel where uh, people were Blacks were being put into. Uh, yeah, and the world is overpopulated, and we have lots of people in freezers. Mm-hmm. So, so this like, is this is a, a a real phenomenon. People were thinking a lot about Evan. If he were here, would be talking about how this is bullshit. We don't have enough people, and I understand that impulse. I also understand the opposite impulse, which is that we are overpopulating. But notice, it's always some other people who are overpopulating and not <laughs> us, right? So unless you're going to do something about it by, you know, going off and killing yeah, a swath it, of people or limiting uh, births by keeping people poor or limiting births by keeping people rich or limiting births by giving them sterilization or, you know, cultural practices or, you know, all sorts. This is why you have boys and girls schools separate, Right is the prevents births. Um, mm. we, we, we've found methods to avoid these kinds of uh, icky overpopulation problems. But uh, when there's pollution on the earth, it isn't me and my old car that's doing it. It's, <laughs> I mean, I yes, I am. But every time yeah. I breathe out, I'm breathing out carbon dioxide. The point is not that there's too many people. The point is, is is this the best way of doing everything and who benefits, right? Every time you get on a plane, you're putting up more CO2 than you will for your whole uh, driving career, uh, driving around town. Airplanes put out a lot more carbon than your car. Unless you have like a big rig truck that's rolling coal. Oh, God. Right? Don't get me started about rolling coal, people. (laughs) <laughs> Indeed, but that sort of uh, defiant response to uh, you know scorn is not the is not the way to solve it either. And you can't mandate that people not like we have gas restrictions. I think they might have just ended thirty liters because of some you know thirty three thirty liters maximum here. And you put these rationing things into effect if it's universal then it modifies behavior. But if it's based on, you know, how much you can afford, well, a gas, uh, you know, diesel or a gas of uh, tank of gas is not that expensive. And if it allows you to show off performatively like your Starbucks cup can, <laughs> that you can afford a Starbucks, which people don't think of as being a thing, but people go to Starbucks, right? And they do put that label on there. So there, this book doesn't engage wholly with that, but there is some kind of um, considering of pushing people out of the community, which is a kind of uh, uh, forced emigration, right? Well, weren't the Chinese kind of forced off planet? 
in that. Yeah. Uh, well, actually, what's interesting is the Australians <laughs> were forced out of Australia. Yeah. And then, yeah. then, yeah, sorry, yeah, it was the Australian. And the Chinese yeah. moved yeah. into Australia and made a sea in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. And then those people were forced off. Yes, off yeah. to another planet. So that was all in the it, background of this book. Is there, there are some, there are some uh, proposals for, for uh, engineering to make a sea in the, in the center of Australia. Mm-hmm. So that, that, that I found interesting that I like, picked up on that, that in theory actually could do it and – if, and if we had enough global warming, it'll happen whether we like it or not. Mm-hmm. So just because of the way the train – because the, the the way the train is. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm. We'll see. But but but, but that, that felt a little – like the whole Chinese forcing a show felt a little bit like earlier 1940 – early 1940s highlighting, which was much more yellow peril I'm thinking of uh, – what's it? Yellow um, peril's column. back, baby. Six column. You mentioned you mentioned six column. Let me read you chapter two, the fifth way. <laughs> so so he's self referencing himself. Yeah, and then yeah. chapter three is through the tunnel. No quotes around any of these. Uh, chapter four is savage, which is uh, nasty, brutal, and short. Right uh, mm-hmm. from Leviathan, uh, Hobbes, Leviathan. Um, no, part five, the Nova. Well, that refers specifically to. Something we see in the sky, and uh, I—I think I had remember I, I when I saw that. Oh, yeah, that's what caused the gate problem. I'd remembered. Did you, what did you think of that, Mike? Oh. Your first on uh, Trish I, too. I, it, I didn't. I didn't make any connection. Didn't register, right? No, no, no. But see, that's clever writing, because what what's interesting is it's a coincidence until it isn't a coincidence when it's the mm-hmm. explanation, right? Right. It's just yeah. good writing. And then chapter six, quote unquote. I think he's dead. Uh, chapter seven, I should have baked a cake. <laughs> <laughs> uh, chapter eight, fish or cut bait. Uh, chapter nine, a joyful omen. Another quotation. Um, chapter 10, quote, I, I so move. Oh, I hate those parts. Um, <laughs> chapter uh, 11, the beach of bones. Do we ever find out why that beach was covered with so many bones? I mean, it was a consequence of how how the uh, how the migrations go. I believe. Yeah, I think it had to do with the migrations. But what and... about the caves that are nearby that are full of people houses or bird brain people houses? Uh-huh. That, that, that we never find. We never that was find interesting, out about those. right? Yeah. He, he goes into yeah. that and he throws it. He, basically, it's a throwaway that there might have been an indigenous intelligent culture, and they mm-hmm. argue like, oh, whether were they intelligent or not? And I'm thinking. You know, we don't have enough evidence to decide. decide. Wow. I don't like to think there was one. Birds, but, make, you know. birds make houses. They make wattle material, says Rod, right? And yeah. then the bees make colonies, blah, blah, blah. Um, if Evan, yeah, I'm going to put on my Evan hat, fight. since Evan's yeah, not here. Putting on yeah. my Evan hat. Here it is. Okay, it's on my head. <laughs> um, uh, what people are they displacing? So this is a kind of uh, colonization without uh, a native population to be that pushed we know aside. of on that one spot indeed, on the planet. Indeed, mm-hmm. but w- when we first arrived there, Rod's thinking maybe it's Africa, right? I thought that was really, mm-hmm. really well done, um, and I remembered that very distinctly uh, from 
the original read. I didn't remember that the explanation for why he wasn't sure was that cloud it had been cloudy and he'd been in a coma or whatever. <laughs> By the way, I really mm-hmm. loved that chapter and how his clinging to logic and, yes. or what he claimed was logic yes. was, you know, punctured by Jack. Um, oh, yeah, the discussion of logic and, yeah, yeah, logic only proves something you already know sort of thing. So Right. And that was, that, was, that, was, that was an interesting bit of sophistry there. And I think like, it, it works out in the end when we get to that end that's so dissatisfying, right, with Rod mm-hmm. not wanting to accept the thing that he should accept. You can't be a mayor of a yeah. place all by yourself. <laughs> yeah. That is not it's a community. Character building though, like it that is. because we he's he's showing what he's like there and when he decides to stay in Calperton even though he didn't want to mm-hmm. like okay, I'm going to make my stand here and he was looking for an excuse to get out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He needed that he needed to be um felt his way out of it right and so when his sister says your dad's alive that's the that's the final straw and Mm -hmm. i like that her his brother-in-law slash teacher (laughs) um is like i don't think you should tell him (laughs) i'm like why (laughs) um i think that's just for drama but um Mm -hmm. it's kind of stupid uh we keep going chapter 12 it won't work rod there's a quote on uh, chapter 13, Unkillable. Chapter 14, Civilization. Chapter 15, In Achilles' Tent, already mentioned. And then chapter 16, The Endless Road. Um, and that actually is a callback to the marching hordes, right? The idea of of uh, a road without end. Of So this is a very, very optimistic view of a dystopian future. As opposed to, I think the end of, um, I guess the end of, uh, of and and the beginning, uh, yeah, the end of um, uh, the William Golding Lord of the Flies, of the Flies. is uh, yes. a little optimistic, and it feels kind of like, oh, all this, you know, they're about to sacrifice somebody on the altar to the god, the the literally the devil, the Lord of the Flies, right? They're mm-hmm. they're He's about above, to yeah. they're ab- about to sacrifice. It'd be like um, you watch the uh, movie The Wicker Man, but it's all done with children. And then just before they light the policeman on fire, uh, some mom lunch time, and all the kids run away, <laughs> drop their torches. Right? It's kind of like that, um, which is. Legit, in a certain sense, we can get really fucked up in our heads and think people are witches, and you know, uh, we can say. I see people say these things on Twitter, right? Like, um, unvaccinated means you shouldn't be allowed hospital care. Like, do you understand the point? Like, trying to make people uh, healthy is to make them unhealthy. Like, come on, let's be nice to each other. Yeah, people can disagree, (laughs) but you don't like. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, vaccine mandates are I agree with, but like refusing medical care to the unvaccinated, no, that's that's a path you just don't want to go down. You, you're not going to like the end of it. But anytime you mandate something, you make something mandatory. What you're doing is making problems for those who are on the edges, right? So when um <laughs> when you've got like a everybody has to go to the meeting and it's an inaccessible location, there's mm-hmm. no uh you know wheelchair ramp well that's a big problem right yes and uh yes. well you so weren't at the meeting like the con hotel trish 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. You weren't at the meeting, right? So you couldn't complain. You should have got on the committee. Like, committees are not the way of solving a lot of uh, – so, yeah, like uh, when, when I was reading that Mary Robinette Kowal apology, which was incredibly well written, right? Um, mm-hmm. One of the things, like, I was noting at the bottom is, like, um, these are the things we're going to do to prevent this from happening again. And I sent uh, Evan one of the tweets I saw was uh, somebody said, um, this is why you shouldn't have fired the sensitivity readers. I'm like, what? <laughs> you don't need a sensitivity reader to know what Raytheon is. You need to know what Raytheon is, right? It, it wasn't – you couldn't have fixed this with a, another committee. What you needed to have is somebody in the room who said, yeah, we shouldn't take money from Raytheon because they – you know, make weapons they, that kill children. They make children. weapons that are killing people yeah. even as we speak. Yeah. Now, uh, well, but we the shouldn't... more eyes you have on something, the more chance there is that someone will spot the problem. But that's not if a sensitivity a reader. reading materials, then there's less chance that that person will be aware of a yeah. particular yeah, problem. Yeah, that's why we should make oh, everything definitely. public, right? Um, <laughs> but uh, but uh, you don't need a sense. That, that's not uh, Raytheon is not a sensitivity question. It's an awareness question. Right. And the fact that they the reason Google does that and the reason Raytheon does that is they have a lot of money and they can spread it around. They spread it around in order to generate positive buzz to go against the negative buzz so that they don't have to change their company's name. Right. Well, Facebook kind of got, you know, a lot of heat. Well, that's okay. They're meta now. Right. Changing your name is the traditional way of solving a problem that, you know, is you got bad publicity. Just change your name. Uh, Paul Bernardo, you remember who he was? My Uh son? I sure do. Why did he change his name? Because Paul Bernardo is a toxic name in Canada, right? Now he's Paul Teal or whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. Well, if you, Paul Teal moves in next to you, uh, uh, Paul, you probably won't get upset. But Paul Teal is like a rapist murderer. Right? Because he's Paul Bernardo. So changing the name is not the problem. It's awareness that that company, you know, well, you say Raytheon, what was it? It was uh, Intelligence or something? Is because they're not. Raytheon Intelligence. Yeah. yeah. And I saw some people, other people saying, well, you know, it's a big company. <laughs> it's like, yeah, but, you know, the Nazis are a big party too. You don't want to, like, uh, you know, join one, you know, the, the Hitler Youth, but that was mandatory. You had to join the Hitler Youth. If you didn't, there's block captains who come by and harass you, right? So we, we got to be really careful when we forget, like, things where, like, mandate means mandatory. And if you don't make exceptions for people like Quakers who shouldn't be forced to, you know, go shoot at people, and they did. They made, you know, alternative forms of service for them. And they don't make exceptions for people who have uh, previously had vaccine injuries like my mom. Um, pretty fucking scary. And what, what's so weird is if you go back and listen to Nancy Pelosi and uh, Fauci at the beginning, they say mandate, we can't make, a mand- make, make it mandatory. Mand- mandates are not allowed. It's just not on the table. Something changed. We were told different. But we were not privy to those conversations. We were just told what to think. That's kind of like why you have to not let people be running a government without you. 
even though you really don't want to be involved in these boring meetings, you kind of have to keep your uh, finger on the pulse. Otherwise, they do terrible stuff, really. And they're doing it in your name and with your consent by not paying attention to it. So it's it's really a hard situation. That's why this book is really good. Is it? It's very subtle. It has all these things like uh, you know emigration and immigration, and you know what's their uh, what's their party song and <laughs> is there factions? Yes, there's factions. How do you incorporate them? Right. I think um, the leader guy, mayor number one, who we don't like, is actually a pretty good leader. Um, even though we don't like him because he eventually figures out, oh yeah, I got to fire that guy and replace him with Rod because Rod actually has some competence here. I want to talk a little bit about, uh, Rod and, and Grant. Um, I thought it was really interesting. It would have been perhaps easier and more satisfying to just have Rod be elected leader by acclaim or with the little rebellion, um, uh, you know, when, when the constitutional question came up, when it seemed like almost half the group at least would have supported Rod, um, he, he did not choose to run against. And in fact, he quelled the, uh, the vote of no confidence mm-hmm. or whatever they called it. Mm-hmm. And he did not go and set up his own colony, uh, you know, partly because he didn't want to have to be the leader, but also I think it was really interesting, you know, the community building, the recognition that Grant, although not perfect by any means was trying. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it would have been very much easy, easier probably for, for a juvenile to just have Rod be right, 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 and Grant be wrong, 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 mm-hmm. a straw man to knock down. Um, but that's not what Heinlein wanted to do. And I really liked how that, you know, working with an imperfect leader to bring about better solutions, even though Rod didn't get his way on mm-hmm. the wall. Um, I I thought that was, you know, a good example of, you know, you don't always have to be right. Your leader doesn't always have to be right, but the working together being the important thing. But Coming standing on principle yeah. is also really important, right? Um, mm-hmm. that, that That is not in that particular scene. I agree uh, with everything you're saying. That's not in that particular scene, but it also... Um, and, and what to do when you've got dissent, right? <laughs> when mm-hmm. some guy mm-hmm. wants to be boss and he's physically threatening you this is why in canada there's the sergeant at arms you have it in the states too but they literally have a mace a giant mace that's like (laughs) the queen's thing or her rod for hitting people right and that guy's job is physically restrain people if they refuse to take their seat if they refuse to give up the the their time you know um, and they, they people have been escorted out and also to like in canada there was a shooting uh, in Parliament, um, some guy. Really? Came, oh, yeah, was a couple, three years ago, Mesa, something like that. It's pretty, yeah, something. Wow. It's pretty. Um, if you guys had had that, uh, like, what, what was the January sixth thing, right? January sixth and right. Yes. This the the sergeant at arms literally shot the guy who came into Parliament with uh, a gun. Um, it was like a big deal uh, for like a day, and and then like. When was the last time you heard about it, Misa? 
like three uh, years ago. <laughs> then. Right? Yeah. yeah. And it's because, you know, it, it was dealt with as a matter of keeping order. And wow, it's shocking. But let's not, you know, overhype and overdramatize this. It's like, it was what it was. It was a crazy guy um, dealt with. Um, yeah, you don't just have that rod uh, uh, to hit people. You actually have the sergeant of arms actually has some military uh, police experience because they have to keep discipline, etc. It's like pretty crazy. Anyways, I, I have uh, part of the, part of that section of the book, chapter Fisher Cut Bait. I wanted to read that because it's it's pretty subtle. Um, this is page one thirty six in my copy. Jimmy spoke up. Uh, maybe this would do. I made another pot uh, the same time I made the this one, only it's busted. I'll get chunks of it, and all the crackpots are votes for Waxy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I liked that. <laughs> Mr. Chairman, I resent the insinu... Insinu... Save it, Waxy. Pieces of big clay for you. Pebbles for Walker, twigs for Grant, leaves for Carol. Get your votes, folks, then file past and drop them in the ballot box. Shortly, uh, sorry, Shorty, you and Mar Marjorie act as tellers. The tellers solemnly counted the ballots by firelight. There were five votes for Rod, one, of, one for Nielsen, none for Caroline, and 22 <sighs> for Cowper. <laughs> Rod, that's Grant, right? Rod shook hands with Cowper and faded back into the darkness so that no one would see his face. Caroline mm -hmm. looked at the result and said, Hey, Grant, you promised to vote for me. What happened? <laughs> Did you vote for yourself, yeah. huh? How about that? Rod said nothing. He had voted for Cowper and was certain that the new mayor had not returned the compliment. He was mm. sure who his five friends were. Dog take it. Not God take it. Dog take it. He had seen it coming. Why hadn't Grant let himself uh, let him bow out? Grant ignored Carolyn's comment. He briskly assumed the chair and said, Thank you, thank you all. I know you want to get to sleep, so I will limit myself tonight to appointing a few <laughs> committees. So this is oh, typical politician behavior, right? Mm -hmm. You say one thing, you do the other. On the other hand, he does make some uh, better decision based later on, on, you know, when confronted by some realities. But basically, he's a do-nothing person and sometimes that's what you want from the government yeah but they could even talk about king log and king stork in the book mm -hmm. which is a reference that many kids these days won't get which is cool. mm -hmm. but back then you know given you know given uh fairy tales and aesop and whatnot that that, that was much more in the public consciousness mm -hmm. but so what what now, now that you write that again there, there was one other piece of fiction i wanted to bring into this which you're not going to expect i so, have any of you ever read The Wheels of If no. by Elspeth DeCamp? No. No. Okay, so Wheels of If is a quasi-alternate It's not Worlds of If? Wheels of If. Okay. Wheels. Right. Wheels. Wheels turning. Right. Wheels of If. So, it's a quasi-alternate history story where a guy basically gets put into the body bodies of a other people in other alternate histories, and he's trying to figure out what's going on and how to control it. And he winds up one the main world he winds up in is basically an alternate North America where the where the Celtic Church became dominant in the in the Northwest Europe, and the Muslims conquered France. And so the so America is got a very weird blend of 
Native Americans and Celtic Christianity and Vikings and all this stuff. And he basically winds up running for political office in what's in their equivalent of Boston. And the and the story basically uh, references and outlines that he basically follows the blueprint followed by a certain politician in Soviet Russia who basically climbed this way th- to power by controlling committees and being the secretary named Joseph Stalin. Mm-hmm. I kept thinking that story. Was like, I was, I was what I was wondering how much Highland knew the story of Joseph Stalin and how he had gotten to power by basically by political manipulation. I was wondering if Rod was going to try the same thing, but he didn't, but all this talk about committees and control and how we decide our government and who, who goes on committees and how committees are structured and what they vote on who you put on them because there's even a talk about the like about Rod and his friends wind up being on on bad committees I kept thinking about the wheels of if and how the main character winds up doing uh, winds up uh, con- basically taking control of the government for in order to solve this problem of being in the wrong body by basically political political manipulation and control in the Stalin in the Stalin way, not that he was a dictator, but basically that being that political operator, that political animal. I, uh, I want to note on the opposite page, there's actually a connection, um, to, uh, an illusion you guys probably don't recognize. Um, uh, right after the meeting, um, they're all, his friends are, Rod's friends are consoling him and they're saying, we're going to have a meeting of the inner sanctum. Um, inner sanctum is, uh, a phrase, um, but it was a hugely popular radio show uh, in the 40s and 50s, early 50s, um, called Inner Sanctum uh, or Inner Sanctum Mysteries, and it was also turned into movies, a movie series, um, broadcast all across the United States, and it starts like um, you're being let in on the secret, right? This. Uh, strange mystery right um and uh similarly there was uh, in the 80s i think there was a movie i think it started michael douglas it was pretty good called uh star chamber you guys remember that movie i don't chamber um uh, i've heard of it didn't watch it it's a good movie hal holbrook gaffet koto michael douglas um i'm gonna rewatch that movie it's it's making me think about it It makes me think it's really interesting so it's a 1983 crime film thriller Uh, michael douglas is a los angeles jug judge and he is um uh he's like has a court case and he has to dismiss uh the charges against uh or you know uh, set the guy free because uh how incompetent the prosecutor was um, this really bugs him, but a group of judges um, approach him and say, well, we're all judges here, and uh, we know what needs to be done, and we suggest you join our group, um, the Star Chamber. And in the Star Chamber, they relitigate uh, cases that otherwise couldn't be prosecuted. Um, and so Michael Douglas is shown the inner sanctum, right, where the real justice is done as opposed to just the justice that's done publicly. And uh, so, yes, uh, lawyers would take on, the judges would take on cases for prosecution, and then the other judges would take on, um, you know, judges' roles, and then they would judge to see whether this person should be 
eliminated, right? And they'd have a fund slash fund to hire assassins or whatever. And so it's like, uh, and what's interesting is this is based on a real, real reality that happened in England. In uh, the 15th to 17th century um, in England, this sort of shit happened. There was public law and then there was private law. The private law hidden behind the star chamber where a bunch of rich fucks decide that they're in charge of justice and they get mm-hmm. to do whatever the fuck they want, right? And it's all hidden, right? There's no publicness to this court. And this is super fucking evil, right? And we have we have this with um, uh, when Julian Assange is extradited, which seems like it's going to happen. He's not allowed to present certain evidence, right? Just not allowed to present it because it's illegal, according to this 1917. Until that gets overturned as uh, unconstitutional, it would be like a star chamber thing. It's secret evidence, hidden evidence. You can't present your actual case because of the charges, not because of the of the, of the defense being improper, but because to present it as a defense under these charges is improper. And like that's pretty fucking evil, right? And so it's the it's the fact that it's hidden. And notice that when uh, when the Cowper has his uh, point, he has a uh, he Rod's just like eating his lunch or whatever, and he overhears them having an executive committee, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And he's asked to leave. Oh no, maybe you should join, right? Um, that is like bad government right there, right? That it's all being done secretly and, and hidden away, and we make these rules. Oh, and we're, yeah, we're considering uh, making you disenfranchised because of your age. Do you think that was an attempt to suborn him, or an honest offer, or were they just? I think it, I think, him to make him go away. The problem is, is that that character Cowper is. Um, He's he's not our lead, right? So we're pretty close to the inside of our lead's heads, and we get inside Carolyn's head pretty good. Uh, we get pretty close to what Jack's thinking early on in the book. But uh, that kind of character in a Heinlein book is there to be an enigma, right? So he's yeah. he's both. He I think he's thinking um, it's a bad. It's just. Plane is he thinks it's a bad idea for the, his rival to be there. Well, another way of solving that is you keep your enemies closer, right? Mm-hmm. And so w- we never we we don't we don't know the true soul of this guy, but I think we do. <laughs> I I think what happens is you have to like people talk about litmus tests and, or purity tests. It's like well, these are just like revealing right that's the a litmus test is designed to tell you if something is what it is or not and a purity test is like are you corrupt or are you not corrupt and it's well everybody's a little bit corrupt right if you work for raytheon you have to drink some of the kool-aid you don't have to drink all of it but you have to drink some because if you don't you can't work for raytheon so do you want to be on on team raytheon or not let's just have a little sip no it's not so bad (laughs) Right? <laughs> it's I like, think it's like crystal evolved light. a little bit. Say again? Sorry, go ahead, Paul. It's like it's like crystal light. It tastes good the first sip <laughs> and then it, it, it tastes fucking evil. I used to drink it for years and then I finally weaned myself off and I took a sip of it weaned a couple years off. later. It's like, wow. how did I ever drink this stuff? Uh, <laughs> you didn't go cold like, turkey. Um, you didn't suddenly do a pull a rod. 
and just uh, suddenly switch. Um, um, I think Grant was kind of ena- was enamored with the idea of government and starting a fresh government oh. in this pristine, but he didn't know how to do it. So he was all talk and he didn't know how to do it. And and I don't think he was like in like he just wanted power malicious in any way. He just, just wanted had power. no idea. He just wanted. But I think when when um, when Rod didn't go through with the non confidence vote, when Rod said no, we got to let him try. I think he kind of changed his ways a little bit at that point. Well, there was. A, I also yeah, thought on. it was interesting that the reason um, um, Grant finally admitted for wanting to restrict the you know to not let the young ones vote was not because he thought youngsters are stupid and they don't have any place. It was because he was scared of the smart yeah. youngsters. They were smart. Yeah, yeah. They're a threat. And he, I guess he thought they would outsmart him and take control. Yeah. No, he wants power more than he wants anything else. Mm-hmm. If you if you listen to Nancy Pelosi from twenty thirty years ago, you watch videos. She sounds a lot like AOC, like they wanted the same things and they talked the same way about the same methods. When you, when you look at AOC, she doesn't take money from you know uh, corporations. That's just not how they do it today, right? They just don't do that. The squad don't take money from corporations, but they don't vote the way they said that they would. And it's because you don't get the committee appointments if you don't go along with the team. And it's real politic. It is real politic. And the thing is, is you, how do you know what people are going to do until you see them in action? Well, they they talk a good game, right? They say all the right things. If you want a nice apology, go talk to Justin. He'll give you all sorts of apologies. <laughs> what he won't give you is things that you want. He just won't give it. <laughs> because it's not in his interest, it's not in his thinking, it's not in his clique. You know, it's just not an option. So he'll give you an apology, he'll say we're working on it. You know, they have all these uh, platform points that they keep trying to sell us on, but, and does he do it? No? Okay. Then we know what his true character is. But, a lot of people aren't paying very close attention, and we kind of really have to. If you don't pay really close attention, what happens is you sort of miss these things because you're just hearing the buzz. And the buzz is a mix of what people are saying, right, and what uh, the government is saying. And, like, I listen to podcasts, uh, political podcasts. I get BC government ads in my podcasts. Like, they're telling me, you know, uh, this is the way to quit smoking or whatever it is, right? Uh, uh, how is that, that they're targeting me because that information works. Putting people, putting words out into people's ears works as a method of convincing them that this is it's all like organic chatter. The group thinks we should go on a hunt. What does the group think? I hear, I'm hearing a lot of people. This is uh, Trump's famous line, right? Um, a lot of people are saying... <laughs> Right. Um, it's his way. It's what he's listening. He's looking around the room. And he's listening to what people are saying. People are saying this. Well, advertising is that. It's people are saying. It's just we don't distinguish it in our minds enough. And advertising is propaganda for whatever thing it is. So he is really dealing with some really interesting ideas. And it's not so much a science fiction of the hard as science fiction of the soft, the political science. Um, 
I, I wanted to read this before we end, and I don't know how much time we have for Trish. Um, I wanted to read. Well, I've been doing a standing desk. I'm trying to work <laughs> up into doing that. Oh yeah, I've been standing for two hours and wean your uh, two, about two and a half hours. Wean so. yourself off of this sitting desk. Yes. <laughs> um, let's listen to this. Um, this is from Anthony Boucher's review from Fantasy and Science Fiction, February 1956. Um, Boucher would we know buy a Heinlein book, so he's not un familiar with the guy and maybe we can't trust him but let's listen to his words i've consistently maintained that the annual quote-unquote juvenile novels of robert a heinlein are far superior in both writing and thinking to most adult science fiction and have even backed that judgment by publishing one of them here as an adult serial but tunnel in the sky scribner's two dollars fifty cents would not serve well to demonstrate my point is more loosely plotted and more sketchily characterized than any Heinlein adult or juvenile in a number of years. Disappointment, however, comes only when you measure it up against Heinlein's rather Heinlein rather than his competitors for the teenage market. This story's idea, the story's idea, a good one. Uh, the pupils in a high school seminar, advanced survival, are as a final test turned loose singly on an unexplored planet, where they must quote-unquote, survive or else. It's not quote-unquote, it's caps, all caps, survive or else. A Nova causes a space warp so that they are not picked up again on schedule, and the young people are forced to develop their own isolated civilization. I just want to make note that he spoiled the book. Nobody should read it now because they know the secret of why they didn't get picked up. Uh, The details are worked out with the convincing care that one expects, and among an otherwise shadowy cast of characters, a splendid Zulu girl named Caroline Beatrice, oh, Beatrice's middle name, Michiani, <laughs> emerges as a possible, as possibly Heinlein's best woman to date. There you go, Trish. Um, now, in relief uh, against that, the next review, Andre Norton is Heinlein's chief and almost sole uh, competitor in the two-way juvenile adult novel. A number of her hardcover juveniles have been successfully reprinted as adult paperbacks. Starguard, Harcourt Brace, $3, should do at least as well. Uh, never heard of this book. Galactic Central Control has, by the year 3956, limited the warlike inhabitants of this planet to uh, service as interstellar mercenary troops. On a remote world, a troop double-crossed and almost destroyed by local politics fights its way to a realization that there may be another role for Earth to play in the galaxy. Miss Norton tells a sheer adventure story as well as anyone going, and this one is one of her best. I, I doubt there's ever been an audiobook of Starguard, unless it's public domain. I don't think it is. Uh, isn't that interesting? Mm. Like the second that, that tier is, um, is it's a good book, but like nobody's nobody's nobody. Uh, you, if you go on Twitter and type in Stobor, people use this like as a phrase. <laughs> uh, wow, that's impressive. Uh-huh. This book has legs. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I didn't I didn't actually get to talk to. I'll be very quickly since it is now twelve thirty, uh, my time. Rite of Passage by Alexi Panchin. Yep, we, which ties into this book we as did well. That Alexi Panchin. Well, what's that? We did that, we did as, that a as a podcast. Yeah. We did that as a podcast, and Alexi Panchin is was a critic of Heinlein and a admirer of Heinlein. And I think now that I've read Tunnel Side, clearly he was taking ideas from 
from that. I mean, the politics and government are all on the ship rather than really on the planets. Mm-hmm. But and, but it's much more like, well, how was, do you survive? Yeah, wasn't there some uh, age of age of uh, voting as well in there? Wasn't there something? Yes. Like that? Yeah. yeah, exactly. And you basically had to go through this process of surviving on a planet in order to pass through to adulthood. The mm-hmm. Antimenes like passage. So. So Pant, so I now that I've reread Tunnels, I can really see what Panton was doing and mm-hmm. responding and reacting to this book. I think um, we've got a, a series of books. We we clearly need to do that 1859 <laughs> book, right? Or 1854, uh, the Coral Island. 1857. Mm-hmm. I don't know where I'm getting all these numbers. 1857 is when it came out. It's a long one though. Um, I, I, I guess um. Oh, um, it says, yeah, somewhere in the Wikipedia entry for um, uh, Lord of the Flies that uh, at the end of the Lord of the Flies, one of the sailors explicitly calls out the Coral Island when they're picking up the boys. And so it mm-hmm. is, it, it's a, it's a book in dialogue, right? You've got mm-hmm. this 1857 yeah. oh, definitely. novel, yeah. you've got the Lord of the Flies, we've got Tunnel in the Sky, and we've got Rite of Passage. I there wonder if there's more. Probably. Hmm. Good show. Thank you, people. If we're done, I don't know if we are. There's one. Oh. Other, did you anybody look up the word rod? R O D. Uh huh. No. A wand, a, a wand or staff yep. as a symbol of office, authority, sure. or power. Yep. Yep. Just like that, uh, yep. the queen's uh, mace, right, for hitting mm-hmm. hitting people who uh, don't follow the speaker's advice. Yep. Mm. So yeah, we, we we know from previous Heinlein novels that Heinlein likes to have, likes to put things into his name. So yeah, Nancy does. Pelosi walk- doesn't have a rod; she yeah. has a, a gavel, right? Which is right. order, order. It's like a, more at a mayor sort of thing, but it literally is a rod, and it's displayed in front of all the members of Parliament. Right, this giant mace that like you would need two hands to pick up, and if it hit you on the face, you would like lose your head. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) everything is backed up by that it's like literally sitting in front of the speaker uh, by the sergeant at arms and on either side of the parliament there's and this is in the uk too i assume it's in australia as well they've got this giant rod of power uh, wielded by force the only person allowed to carry weapons inside the the parliament uh, Which well, I I thought it was an interesting name given that mm-hmm. that his ethnicity, which was not um, like blatant. Yeah, it's not but, Rodney, is it? It's just Rod. No, it's Rod. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't think I don't think Heinlein's um, making him black was the main thing that the, this book was about, right? It no. was it was sort of oh yeah, there's that too under the current there. Yeah. But uh, but the the racism that uh, by saying cholo, it's not even that racist. It's more like just um, calling the kid waxy, right? Or, the, mm-hmm. or a crackpot, right? It's just like it's a way of pushing down somebody who you don't think um, is measures up. Waxy was the eugenicist, was yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is pretty. Yeah. I I'm glad. Um, <laughs> we will have scientific breeding. It's like, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Which kind of makes me think of Doctor Strangelove. Well, the ending of Doctor Strangelove, and yeah, 
Um, I have the popular population in the. In the it's also in that movie. Uh, Don't look up, which is it, it's a pretty good movie. You guys should see it if you haven't seen it already, because that they, they have that sort of you know logic behind it. It's um, yeah, it's pretty. It uh, it's pretty good. Um, it's pretty good. I uh, I don't know, Trish. Did you see that already? Oh, she may have sat down from her standing desk. No. Oh, okay. Um, uh, it's writ- uh, written by David Sirota, who uh, was speechwriter for Bernie um, and uh, had a lot of high-level party meetings and <laughs> found a, a, a hard slog. Very interesting uh, movie. It's um, I don't know how well it will age, but it certainly uh, sparked a little bit of thinking while I was watching it. I was like, oh, this mm-hmm. is pretty pretty choice and it's it's done the comedy is done a lot different than it is in 2012 which is i think much broader and more acceptable for a bigger audience 2012 can be played as both a comedy uh and a serious film in a certain sense uh, uh but it definitely leans into that very broad comedy yeah I mean, we're supposed to, we're supposed to is is russian yeah 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 all right well uh, we're uh, we're coming to a consensus, perhaps, on this being the end of the show. <laughs> we come to consensus this is the end of the show. So thank, thank you, thank you as always. Thank you, Jesse. Thank, thank you, Misa, and thank you, Trish. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, thank you everybody. Jesse. Was, that, was there a line in here about how um, we needed to have one female on the ballot? Was that in the book? Yeah, was, someone yeah, someone said I it, was it was bad that they didn't. I have think it was Grant running, wasn't it? It was Grant. Right. Yeah, and then nobody voted for Carolyn. So yeah. that's yeah. really interesting, don't you think? Well, he said we want more candidates and we want a girl. Yeah, it's not right, right that but, we have so many females and we don't have a, yeah. a female candidate. Um, yeah. But he wasn't doing it because he thought she w- should be elected. He was doing it oh, no. because it was politic. It was his own politics. It, 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 it bolsters was, his veneer of respectability and perhaps and, divides and legitimacy, the, and perhaps divides the vote. Uh, right. Mm. In this case, it, in didn't. End, it didn't. It didn't. Right. But um, that may have been his strategy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very. Um, I'm. I'm doing this for you, people. <laughs> but really, it's for <laughs> me. <laughs> but really, it's for me. Yeah. It's all for me. Yeah. Good stuff. Mr. Speaker, I move to adjourn. <laughs> I, uh, I will allow it since I'm not the speaker. I'm just a speaker. <laughs> I have no rod of authority. No rod of authority. No. This has been the SFF Audio Podcast. Please join us at www.sffaudio.com. And thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, consider becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash SFF audio. Rodless. Good show. Okay. Uh, good books. Heinlein should be read by everybody. I'm, I so move. I, I really love his juveniles. <laughs> He's good, right? This is not even his. His juveniles this is... have aged much better than some of his other books, which we shall not mention. Well, maybe we will. <laughs> maybe we will. Um, I don't know which one we'll do next, but we should uh, think about that. I will look at my pile of juveniles and think about what's available. <laughs> I, I keep moving for... Uh, 
Project Galileo or Galileo Rocket. Well, it's Rocket Ship Galileo because it's got, ship Galileo. got Nazis on the moon and it's his first of his Ooh. juveniles. But, um, I mean, Musk's doing a lot of rocketeering. Maybe that'll make people interested. Hmm. I don't know. There's a lot. There's still a lot of juveniles left, and we could always do Podcane of Mars when we think we need the woman content. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, let me look at the list here. Trish, you can run off to the bathroom if you need to. <laughs> I will allow it. I'll just note you do I'm not like... have me on Almerick, but oh, or Almerick let me by pop you Robert on e. Howard. You, on you know, I'm always up for All Robert right. e. Howard. Um. That would be right there. That would be another Saturday. Yeah, double at double. four. <laughs> double grubble. Well, you no, just no, gotta no. Ha- you gotta be less uh, committed to your other projects. You can't be on all the committees. <laughs> I, can't I? Nope. Can't I? <laughs> wow! Look at all the Saturdays. Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, whenever Paul goes away, right? It, these <laughs> happen because. Uh, there's I'm not all... here to say put on Sunday, so he puts on Saturday, <laughs> and I get snookered, and then it comes a soap reinforcing it's... cycle for Saturday. Yeah, indeed. And and the thing is, is it's it's to accommodate uh, all members of the crew, right? Mm. Yes, I should, I should be more. <laughs> How come Moe's not on that H. Ryder Haggard one? Um, good question. He probably should be. Doesn't he? Has, uh, he's not very good at sticking to uh, his uh, duties, you know. Like, <laughs> like if, well, yeah. I mean, Misa's uh, not perfect. She mostly shows up for her her shifts, uh, night watches Thanks, or whatever. Yes. Um, Marissa's <laughs> worse. I think she has other commitments on other duties. Maybe she's off on hunts or whatever, or <laughs> building fences, or, or building wants fences. To, wants to make I a mean, dress for the square hunts. dance. <laughs> 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 but um, yeah. Uh, what what can we do? We just um, do our best to accommodate everybody. Mm-hmm. I, I'm sure that's some sort of uh, demonic uh, ideology, but I'm just like, let's try and be nice to people, even guys who have <laughs> diarrhea in their mouth, you know? <laughs> just like, if they want to play, that's fine, just as long as they're not... Uh, it's, it's their way of... Um, Coping, you know, a lot of people are young and foolish, and a lot of people don't right. read anything, and it's just you know, it's a way of dealing. We gotta do our best to help everybody. We are doing our best to help everybody. I, I, I if I had to check, if you mandated I had to join a uh, Christian religion, I, I think Society of Friends would probably be the one for me. Is that a religion? Yeah, the uh, Quakers. Oh, the Quakers. Because they're, oh. they're peace Nicks, right? Uh, like mm-hmm. Nixon. <laughs> Nixon was a Quaker. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> okay, I'm signing off now. <laughs> I can see it. <laughs> Talk to you later. Talk to you Bye, later. Trish. Bye-bye. Um, if, you had to, if you had to join, I know Paul would join the Catholics again. Yeah. Would yeah. you? Out of duty um, and guilt. Um, yeah, guilt. Guilt and duty. I saw an amazing play. Yeah. Um, in a theater, and it was it was called it was it was it was a Shakespeare play. I can't mm-hmm. I remember. I don't remember which name they chose. They said it was a retelling of not Romeo and Juliet, but it was it was a pastoral one. But I don't remember which one. Anyway, uh, it was said it was a retelling of this pastoral William Shakespeare by by um, 
Clifford Cardinal. So he comes on the stage and and he starts off doing a land acknowledgement and he's like, who the fuck listens to these land acknowledgements? Mm. Who writes them? Who do you think they benefit? Mm-hmm. And we're like, whoa, okay, here we go. And so like he, 20 minutes was ranting and he said, you know, everybody, this, this, this play is sponsored by this bank and that bank and yep. this bank and that bank. Do you think that they're doing anything? That's for, right. And, and Preach, so then, brother. <laughs> yeah. So then, so like the whole thing was actually called land acknowledgement. It was, it wow. was a, he hijacked the, like the play was a hijack. You were, nice. you were in there to listen to him. Nice. And he goes, he said, Justin Trudeau is a Catholic. How dare he? <laughs> and then he just went off. Well, a lot of natives are Catholic, right? They are Catholic. They're forced into it. They were, but yeah, and, and but the, he he like he tore it down. That's, that that would have been great to. It was uh, bravest thing I, I've never seen anything so brave. That's, like that's great. Um, yeah, the land acknowledgments are pretty terrible, and the reason they're terrible is because. They are jaw-jaw. Exactly. If you exactly. want to uh, live your fucking words, there are... Clean um, up the fucking water. Uh, there are places... Well, no, I'm just saying as individuals. Like, um, there are places in BC that are having um, disputes with the RCMP right now. Right? Yeah. You can go put yourself on the lines if you really, if you really think that... Uh, that's uh, something that needs the the land acknowledgement is saying we stole your shit. How do you yeah. like that, huh? We can even exactly. lord it over you. <laughs> you fuck. Think that's like, I know. It's really yeah. evil. It's it it, 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 it it it's the thing is is you have to like you have to think of like what is the motivation? What is the mo? It's well, it's to be nice, but actually, it's not nice to lord it over people and say it, it, we're not going to do anything a, about it, it. it. It's a bit of brainwashing. Uh, it, greenwashing, yeah, uh, kind yeah, of. Yeah, I, 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 I mean, be red washing in this case. Well, yeah, I, I mean, there isn't a good term for that, but but I I I, st- I, st- I steal the terms greenwashing basically mean to to mean anything like a veneer of political uh, cover. Well, whitewashing is where it comes from, right? Right, right, but right, but whitewashing has its own baggage to say. So <laughs> greenwash, greenwashing, greenwashing is why. Yeah. 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 Ah, oh, that's great, my side. I, I, it was amazing. I, I, I'll find the title and send it to you. I don't think it's going to be on go on the road. It was done here it'd be good if in the theater. On YouTube. I'd like to see that. Yeah, yeah, and the, and at the end they were like, "Please don't tell anybody. Don't." Oh tell yeah, they uh, uh, keep it a surprise. <laughs> this is a literal <laughs> spoiler. Um, I wonder how many people walked out. I was wondering that too because we were because you can't. You feel you can't, right? You feel like you because he because he like he said. Who here has read a book by an indigenous person? Put up your hand. Who here? And like he was just on everybody. Mm. You know, like if you got up and walked, you would have he would you would have heard it from mm. him. Go like Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Makes you makes you not want to go to the theater. <laughs> you might get called you out. Go more. <laughs> yeah, no, that's the best thing that theater can do is you see the spit coming off the actor's mouth, you know? It's real. Yeah. The sw- and, but, you can and smell the sweat. he was also sweat. funny, too. Like, yeah. he wasn't just acerbic. Like, he was funny. Yeah. Like, yeah, he really just good. did it all. Like that movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pretty good movie, right? Pretty good movie. <laughs> You're not going to cancel me for saying it was pretty good when it should have been awesomely good, or... <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I could take a Christian religion. 
I don't think I may. I don't know. It's Society of Friends is pretty like. Uh, I'm, I don't know very much about. It. I maybe they maybe. they don't have uh, church fathers to just all have a meeting and then they go around the room uh, saying, "What do you think Jesus means by this?" And then, really? Uh, oh yeah, it's very. And I cookies? Mean, maybe? I don't know. I don't know about the cookies part, but um, it seems like uh, if you had to join one. Uh, it it's not all top down like um, you have to listen to what the Pope says. Right. Or, uh, I saw Paul was talking about Desmond Tutu. I'm like, yeah. I don't know almost anything about Desmond Tutu other than he was a famous figure. What authority does he have to tell me about how to live on this earth? Well, he's got a red robe. <laughs> maybe somebody, maybe somebody gave him that red robe. Maybe he was <laughs> elected to that office. Maybe that gets. Maybe he some... was born into that red rope. Oh, that better not be the case. Ooh. Ooh, I don't know. Yeah, like kings, right? No, no. I was thinking of um, no, um, well, the Dalai Lama. There was a there's a really interesting story. Um, I saw a YouTube video about uh, what's a country just north of South Africa. It starts with a B. Uh, Botswana. Botswana, yeah. So the the first president of Botswana um, married a white woman from England, sort of middle-class white woman. Uh-huh. And uh, at the time, South Africa was, like, doing apartheid. And uh, so they were, like, up up with the, the queen saying, hey, um, you got to bust this up. <laughs> they can't get married. Um, and they're both Anglicans, uh, this uh, Botswana and prince or whatever and um this white lady from england london london lady um so they wanted to get married in the church and it came down that nobody would marry them right really yeah because because it would anger that south africans and they had uranium and at the time the uk was trying to make their own bomb they wanted to have their and that's one of the sources for uranium and so they um uh the movie, uh, which I couldn't find a copy of, the documentary is called An Inconvenient Marriage. Uh, convenient. Convenient marriage. Uh, yeah. There's a lot. <laughs> Botswana. Botswana. Uh, but they're... Um, int- it was... Uh, I found out about this because there was like how Botswana, which is mostly desert, um, turned into one of like the most um, most uh, high standard of living countries in Africa, mm. and um, it was like the this guy was elected four times in office as president. Wow! Um, so when we when when the queen dies, what do you think is going to happen? Are we going to accept Charles? I mean, I, I, I'm not Charles, really... Charles would be probably the most unpopular British monarch in a long while. Yeah, and if his son got it, William or whoever it is, um, I think a lot of people, especially old ladies, would like um, to see a young, handsome man, you know, in charge. Because my mm-hmm. grandma loved that, right? She loved <coughs> the royal wedding shit. Um, I guess Charles wasn't that handsome, but his son's pretty handsome, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, and he's young, and so he has like all this potential, right? And we're gonna have a new, wonderful, blah blah blah. But really, that that whole family's cursed, right? 
<laughs> cursed in a lot of ways, but uh, you know she she's done a good job of sort of keeping out of business out of Canadians business. But I think if Charles became president, I think there'd be a growing movement to get us out of abolish. The, yeah, yeah the, it's just yeah. just like what, what what was the island Bermuda that just uh, or Barbados? Barbados, yes, yeah, one of the bees. It's Barbados that became a republic and kicked out the queen. Mm-hmm. Imagine Canada doing that. Wow, that would be that would be a political. Wow. Well, that's the thing is I don't think it would uh, do it right away, but I think if 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 it was um, if if it was Charles and Camilla, um, I yeah, think they, I think yeah. it would um, probably accelerate make... the the breakup of uh, the Commonwealth. No, yeah. I, maybe I, I'm not. I can't. I don't know Australian New Zealand politics well enough to say. I know there's a Republican movement in in Australia, probably stronger than in Canada. But um, we don't think about it very much, you know? Like, it isn't uh, it, only on TV for the Christmas message it, or whatever. It, 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 it doesn't... It hasn't had a real impact on Canadian politics in how long? Um, well, it does have an impact. It's just we don't think about it. Um, the you know the appointment of a governor general and lieutenant governors it's it's all across the province and she's on the money, mm. right? Mm. But it doesn't yeah. it, it it it's it's pretty like uh, loose. But anytime there's a a um, a potential shakeup, that's a time I think of danger for them now. Ruth Williams, mm. comma. Is the name of um, this lady? Hmm. <clears throat> uh, that play was "As You Like It." Oh, a retelling. that's cool. "As You Like It," a radical retelling by. <laughs> Chris but How do you like, like it? Huh? Mm-hmm, huh? Yeah, How I, do you exactly, like them apples? Exactly. There's nothing on YouTube. I'm, I don't. I don't imagine that they would, because if it does go anywhere, mm. you can't. They can't just. Yeah, that would be the end. Oh, of that's it. unfortunate. Well, now you just yeah. spoiled it for everybody on the planet who listens to this podcast. We're, the- <laughs> we're, 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 we're long since past the podcast now, Jesse. No, no. It's all going in. Uh, seven months <laughs> from now, they're going to be spoiled. You're going to put it in, are you? Oh, why not? That's good store, good stuff. Yeah. Right? I mean, if you put your – if you if you want to make me take it out, you have to, like, give me your – have to your put bank, it in writing. No, your bank code. <laughs> Submit it to the committee. No, 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 no. You have to like say my account, bank account number, and here's my pin, and then I'll say, "Oh my God, Mike, you can't say that," because <laughs> <laughs> then somebody could, you know, steal your monies. Right. But right, you won't right. do that because you know every everything else. So yeah, uh, Botswana apparently uh, doing pretty good. Hmm. Um. Uh. Let's. It says, oh, yeah, it says the economy is dominated by mining, cattle, and tourism. It's landlocked, right? Botswana has a GDP per capita of about $18,113 as of 2021, one of the highest in Africa. Relatively high gross national income per capita gives the country a relatively high standard of living and the highest human development index on the continent of sub Saharan South Africa or sub Saharan Africa. Interesting, right? It's very interesting. Like, have a government that's trying to help reinvest money, not collect it and put it all in its own pockets. Mm-hmm. How how could how can we get one of those? 
I'd like to have one of those, please. <laughs> Maybe we need to get this guy as the king. What do you think? <clears throat> uh, bring him back from the dead. And um, I was looking at their current uh, guy, and one of them had a really funny name. It's like an English word for like sleepy or something. No, I can't. I don't think I can re- refine that. But oh yeah, um, they have and get this. Um, they have a unitary dominant party. They, they're since uh, this guy was elected, they've never had anybody else win. It, it just goes like sixty percent, seventy percent, seventy five percent, sixty nine percent. Oh, how long has that been going on? Since the sixties. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, but if if it's because they're legit popular, because they're legit making the country good, then you want to keep reelecting them, right? Mm-hmm. having uh, other parties is all well and good but if they're exa- like you got the democrats and the republicans um, and they're both right wing parties how are you going to like get substantial change to just change you need like a third party that's really going to somehow take it but it's it's um it's sort of written so that you can't do that you have to do all sorts of things to get uh, pre- president's a slightly different deal, but like getting getting your your candidates all over the place is really hard for a third party. Green party doesn't do what I don't think. Pretty hard, and getting into debates. Yeah, I don't know. No, whatever. Well, okay, I'm gonna go peel off and try to find the quest for lunch and all that fun the stuff. The quest for lunch. It's a quest for lunch. The uh, pleasure as always, Jesse. I guess I won't be on the podcast for a couple of weeks now. Oh no, next week. That's right. Big long pop up. I got to Then we'll, then there'll be a bunch of out. Saturdays. We'll figure it Where out. Where are you going, Paul? He's no, not. No, no, he's no, not no. going anywhere. He's just online not, playing games or something. When we're going to oh, be recording, just not available. Yeah. All right. No, because he's had a Saturday podcast. Yes. <sighs> it's it's so we can have a Saturday podcast. Other <laughs> yes. people want a podcast too. Exactly. So, no, none for Paul. Anyway, I can't. I can't. Thing. I can't do two regular podcasts every week on the weekend. I already do. So, it, it's it's cool. What you Have can do, good. you can you can start a podcast. I'll participate. Okay. Another podcast. I'm already on two podcasts. God. Yeah, it's a lot of work. Two is like, two is enough. When I did the one two weeks ago with Will, I did three podcasts that week. That's too many. It's I like, don't know how you can do too. It's uh, it's a bit tricky, and I, I feel a lot a lot more stress for the reading short and deep one. Do you? Oh, way more. This one's easy. I was relaxing. That one's like <laughs> too. It's too short. Um, Eric is very I love very those, formal. By the way, yeah, very that. popular. Mm-hmm. But I don't. I don't. Uh, uh, I don't. Maybe maybe that extra. Stress makes it better. I don't. I don't think it does, but it's popular. So I'll probably keep doing that till Eric dies or I do. Wow, Eric yeah. dies. That's, <laughs> that's he's way older than me, bud. He's eighty. It's rather dramatic, though. But maybe he'll get I'm a he'll get a stroke and be unable to talk. No, Jesse, you're worried about Jesse, the wrong no. things. That those are the real things you should engage with. Death is a real thing, Paul. 
We gotta. I know death is just the beginning. You keep no, it's not just the beginning. You keep a skull on your desk like I do, a little plastic skull, and you look at it and say, "That's me soon." <laughs> oh, I got to do another podcast today. Did you see? Did you see my skeleton one, Paul? My skeleton dream. No. Yeah, you did. I think. Oh, I did. Yes. I think you responded to it. I like God, the, this thing's really metaphor. Like this is like I think I'm wrestling with my own mortality there. Don't you think? Yeah, I think you got. I don't know what the volcanoes right. were all about, but I had another volcano d- dream uh, earlier that night, last night. Oh my god! It was like uh, we were on an alien planet, and there was like these fire people colonizing it, and solved a mystery, and then like, hey, fire people, we're we're out of here. We'll take our molybdenum. <laughs> Bye bye. <laughs> uh, I think that's caused by listening to Blake Seven as I go to sleep. Uh, Probably <laughs> going to that's... planet to planet, etc. But I'm not sure what this. I guess the volcano is connected. It's very interesting. Hmm. I, I, that was a really interesting dream. Some of them are like, eh, it's like a lot of basement stuff. <laughs> a lot of, uh, you know. Uh, business stuff, which is something I don't do very much of anymore. Amazing. Wow. It's amazing how much you remember. Uh, and you I gotta, you gotta write it. it as fast as you can. No, I know. Write it down. Yeah, no. If you don't write it down as fast as you you can, I had one uh, one of those tweets late last night. The internet wasn't working, and I couldn't get it to go. I had to like the last little bit. I had to go back and uh, turn the Wi-Fi off, and then do it as a draft and it was like oh my god if i don't get, i couldn't get any more out after that <laughs> it's um uh, lovecraft was saying on uh, a recent show i heard um he can only write uh, except for a couple of longer poems if he started a poem and never finished it um he could never finish it if it was a short was supposed to be a short poem because the mood is gone really yeah and i think that that's it's uh, I think that's true because when I'm writing a poem, um, it's you know, it's um, I'm trying to go for a certain thing, mm-hmm. and uh, your your headspace changes. It's, you can't get back into that head same headspace. Yeah, I can see that. William sends me poems, yeah, all the time, and and he so I was texting with him, and he said, "Oh, I have an idea for a poem. It's about I forget what something some circular thing where he, a guy hears a voice, and mm-hmm. eventually he re- figures out it's his own voice right. through time." And he and then he wrote this like really really strong poem with uh-huh. great metaphor and, and and I and I was like when did you when did you write that mm-hmm. he said no just now right, right. like po- he said that's how poems are for me mm-hmm. yeah they're um, definitely mm-hmm. real things right in, in a way that other things aren't <laughs> mm-hmm. really real really really well yeah I mean like you writing a novel is is more. Um, more of a planned affair because you can't do it all in yeah. an afternoon. Yeah, right. And you, you're you have to, uh, you know, some of those people do the structure and all um, sticky notes and all that stuff. But oh, uh, by the way, my I started listening to your um, your uh, Christmas special. I didn't get to finish it yet because I had so much, so many things on my plate. Too many podcasts. Too many podcasts. Yeah, but I started listening to it and was enjoying it very much. Um, I guess I can still listen to it after Christmas, but didn't I think you put the date in there? Didn't you? Twenty twenty one. Yeah, yeah. 
which means it's not perennial. Oh, well, it's, yeah. It's just true. a very specific day, right? It is. It is. I'll, I'll re-release it every Christmas anyway. That's what I, I think you should do. I will. I will. I'll just take out in the description. No, 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 no. Don't. don't. Oh, maybe in the description, not in the audio. No, not in the. I'm not going to change the. Actually, my my the. I'm I'm we're we're all, we are just about finished season four. Like I'm I'm editing episode six out of. Nice. And my hard drive corrupted like a oh, fucking. Oh no! I was, I was going. I've to never had slip that happen. Wrote, um, but uh, um, I think I've got it back. Uh, I I I think I've got it back, and um, I'm going to finish it. But but the. But the problem file was the Christmas was something in the Christmas file. Oh, I had no. to delete that whole thing. Like I can't. Well, I can't you can download it, again but you can download it. It's okay. Once you oh, yeah, I have it, the whole can... thing, but the working file, right, like I right. can't go in and make any. Like I can't play with it anymore. It's gone. Yeah. yeah. Uh, oh well. Yeah. I don't know. I, <laughs> it was like the worst. Yeah, I don't do a lot of backing up in the way I should, but. Well, no, because I work on the external. Like I can't work that. I can't. I don't have space on my computer to work mm. those things. Mm-hmm. So it's all out there. Oh, you're on but, a laptop, uh, though. Maybe. No. Yeah, I'm on a laptop That's now. That's the yeah. problem. Yeah. It's a problem. It is. They're yeah. re- they're serious constrictors. It's like working on a phone. You can't do it really. You yeah. can do it. You just can't really do it. All right, yes, I got a P two. And helpful person from Apple saved me. Oh, he saved that's me. That's good. Nice. Helped you out. Yeah. He he said I'm going to be on the phone. He phoned me like three or four times at least. Wow. And he said I'm going to we're going to keep we're going to stay on this until we fix it wow. and find it and fix it. Wow. Yeah. It was well, amazing. I got to tell you, that's a point in their favor. Almost everything else is against them. Well, but their but their customer care plus plus. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I don't expect anything from Windows at all. <laughs> I expect Bill Gates is shafting us in many, many ways. Um, but uh, And not even trying to keep us loyal. Just trying to extract yeah. value. Oh, well. Life goes well, on. Yeah. Yes. All right. Maybe pleasure, game later, pleasure. Paul. But I'm, I'm going to be editing as well. And I want to get that thing get, started. Get, get GTD, Jesse. GTD. What's that mean? Get things done. Oh. Get things done. Okay. Damn. That, that's a lot of pressure. Uh, well, well, good luck. Thank you. Yeah, I know. I was going to say specifically reading that mine, nine million page book for next week. Both of you. <laughs> oh, shit. 17 hours. Better get started now. All right. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Or not. Or you could just like taste things or sniff things or something. Well, yeah, I can taste. Oh, okay. And I can smell. Then, so, then you should probably oh, scrub. No. <laughs> oh, oh, oh no! You 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 have COVID, Misa? No, I have a cold. Wow. Okay, because I heard you can't taste and smell, and I jumped to the island of conclusions. Well, yeah, no, that was Jesse di- telling me how to di- self-diagnose. Oh, I'm a doctor. I see, I, I He's see a Skype doctor. Is, <laughs> Skype is, Skype has changed its layout. And oh I don't my like god! It. It's always fucking around with shit. New new call st- screen is now active. Like what? Okay, we um, we're not getting Will. Why? Why, Mice? I didn't understand. I don't know. He didn't say. He just said like, have a good podcast. He didn't make. I, I, the way he wrote it, I thought he wasn't even on it, and I was like, why isn't he on it? I don't know. Um, Alex is not joining us because it's a Sunday. I I don't know how he didn't know that it was a Sunday. Whatever. 
Because you've been doing a lot of Saturday episodes, that's why. Yeah, but he's he's given the date. Um, still, Jesse, people people start jumping to the island of conclusions. Just like, you, Paul. Oh, <laughs> not just me, apparently. Here's here's proof that people I am not the only person who jumps to the island of conclusions in the universe. No, what no, other no. Island conclusion conclusion were you on, Paul? No, no, he's, no. He's assuming not. that Alex uh jumped to the island con- of conclusions. Yeah, but 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 based on the way you're saying it, like oh it's a Sunday, but like, how would you not know that? But since you've done so many Saturday episodes, it's easy for him to... He d- to- yeah, He's barely on. He's been on, like, maybe ten times total? Not even. So, anyway. I don't I don't think it's... It's that... that It's not that conclusive. Did we get Trish? Maybe he's got shopping to do. Maybe the deals are just too good where he is. Yeah, except Boxing Day is not a thing down there, right? I don't it's know not. if we have Trish. That's a good question. Church. Sorry. Oh, we could have Church or we can have Trish. We have to make a choice. (laughs) Um, I got to see Trish. I got to see Trish at Worldcon for the first time, so that was fun. Yep. You, you, and Trish are like seeing a lot of each other. I have to say, three hearts. No, no, no. That's not what we're doing. We're doing three hearts (laughs) and three lions. That's the one I'm show noting. Uh, Tunnel the sky. So we need Paul, Will, Mysa, Trish, and 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 Will's out. So, I assume he's out. I'm going to look at that thing again. It was very unclear to me. He said, have a good podcast. Yeah, like he's not going to be here. Yeah, that certainly sounds to me like he's skipping. Which is, I I mean... He's playing hooky. I can't can't force him to be on. I I force his face near near the microphone. Or or did you summon Trisha to Trisha's show? I'm here. Can't you hear me? Yes, now we can hear you. <laughs> okay, sorry. <laughs> no, no, no apologies. Oh, I just shit. DM'd you wondering if you're joining us. Control like, no, the DM. I'm having trouble making this font the right I'll just take another, I'll just show off another picture of our adventures again. You know, Trish, I never go. got to tell you. There, mm-hmm. was a, there was kind of a weird, I don't know how can I put this, let down for me on Tuesday of the con, doing all, yeah. wandering around Washington by myself after we'd done two days together. It's like, it feels wrong. <laughs> Even though I'm in normal mode of tourism, you spoiled me for two days. I really hope we get to do that kind of thing again sometime. Maybe ChaiCon. Um, yeah, still seeing was... whether I can get that vacation off. Um, Not to mention the universe <laughs> being... <laughs> Right, the wider world too. Um, but yeah, I had a great time walking around uh, the the museums and the uh, uh, the parks with you. Yeah, likewise. All right, I'm going to read it again. Okay, Jesse says, "Bendy, titanium." <laughs> Will says, "Getting caught up on this thread now. Enjoying enjoy Boxing Day with Tunnel in the Sky. I will miss you." So there's yeah, no. So he's not coming. Well, yeah, he's but like, coming. there's no explanation. There is like, is he jumping off a bridge? Has he got a better <laughs> offer? <laughs> no information. Um, and Mrs. Nice and polite there. Whereas Jesse's like, what the hell are you? Smack! You need a smack, boy. <laughs> That's what, oh, uh, how I treat my students. <laughs> Remember the poll we saw in the Toronto Museum. <laughs> Pole, the 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 carved pole, Festivus yes. pole. The, there, there, there's one like it in the Natural History Museum of the Smithsonian. Really? 
Yeah. Are you, are you trying to avoid saying here? totem pole? I don't. I I don't know. I never saw the sign. Uh, Trish and yeah. I were just climbing the stairs, and it was kind of like just kind of like the Toronto Museum. It was just like rising up past it. It's like, Maybe it's the same architect. Maybe they did. Or are you just thinking? Well, I don't know. I'm I'm just thinking. Maybe. But it was like it was it was it was it was a similar design in that regard. It's like hey, hmm. I didn't see a sign, so I don't know where that one actually came from. Uh, there, there's something to Google. Something to there's something to Google. There's always something to Google. <laughs> There's always something to Google. No, we should use no, DuckDuckGo. Stop using Google. <laughs> right. Okay, DuckDuckGo. There's always something to DuckDuckGo. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't roll, does it? No, it really doesn't. What if you just say go? DDG. <laughs> you got a DDG if you want to be with me? Oh, no. Um, okay, I lost. Okay. This guy, somebody, people are so demanding. I don't know. Who's so, demanding? Uh, somebody <laughs> is asking me about C.S. Lewis. I'm like, that's Chelsea, Chesley Bonstell. I don't know, man. But yeah, he's right. It does say C.S. Lewis on the cover. The Shoddy Lands is the name of the story. Okay. I just met, I tweeted some notes for today. Um, and now I can't make this. Okay. Uh, Dead. You mean the public at large is better ready for your podcast than we are? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm saving it. So it's the shoddy lens? Yes, it. You're not exactly it you. saving it. Oh, no. <laughs> if it's the shoddy lens, I can type that in for you. No, no, no. I uh, No, no, no. It's that that's uh, unrelated. But um, last late last night I got a tweet from uh, somebody with quote-unquote liberal in her bio <laughs> and it was responding to my very innocuously safe and accurate review of uh don't look up which is like just a one I oh did I, you put a review up of that yeah just like one tweet review you know i said oh don't, I'll, I'll find it don't don't look up i'll just read it to you uh, okay 2021 is pretty good period similar to 2012 uh from 2009 it uses uh, science, uh, a science fiction scenario to examine the existential in a micron-thin description of reality, a satire focused on the incompetency of the USA's geriatric elites, their media, their fail-son offspring, comma, big tech, period. That's the end of my, my thing. One guy, he, he, he criticized me for, um, he said, are you serious? And I'm like, uh, yeah. <laughs> and he says, uh, he was criticizing because it was, it was, uh, I said it was pretty good. <laughs> uh -huh. Oh, what did he want you to say? I he wanted to say, uh, like, uh, he wanted, no, he wanted to say it was bad. Yeah. And then, and then this lady, she, she, Alice Millard, I've never heard of her. Um, she says, this household found it much better than quote unquote, pretty good. But then we like our depressing truths presented with satire. It goes down easier that way. But really, quote, <laughs> geriatric elites, question mark? What is that supposed to mean? <laughs> and I'm like... Uh, Did you watch it? Well, oh, here's the Wikipedia entry for gerontocracy. <laughs> and she says, yeah, I know, I know what that means, what it means. Um, but yeah, if you've seen it, it's, it's about old people. Uh, running the, I mean, at the end, did you guys watch the final, final credits for it? 
Yeah, I haven't, haven't seen it. it so. It's pretty good. Spoiler! Last night, which, yeah. which surprised, which surprised Trish and I's mutual friend Gregory Wilson that I actually played Bob G. But I disclaimer that I only play Bob G with you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I, he also likes gliders, Jesse. So he's well, cool. I mean, who doesn't like gliders? I don't even know what gliders are. They're like airplanes, but uh, well, yeah, smaller. I know about those. Yeah, it's like a, it's like a, you know, hang glider except with an engine on it. So really, it's, it's a plane. Like a it's just we, it's we, like baby airplanes. Yeah, yeah. We, we we saw a couple of real ones at the Air and Space Museum. Yeah, no mm-hmm. doubt, no doubt. Mm-hmm. Anyways, um, so I, I was getting I was getting attacked left and right by people who. <laughs> <laughs> saw my tweet uh, and one of those attacks well one of the well i, I agree they're not jesse attacks. being questioned is not the same thing as being attacked i agree um i'm i'm hyperbolizing because it's fun here <laughs> um, i i was i was canceled in, from both directions trish <laughs> you are not canceled, <laughs> well we'll see it hasn't it, it hasn't uh metastasized enough yet maybe i don't know anyways um, I just think it's funny that um, I I displeased people in both directions. <laughs> like one thought it was it was not pretty good, and the other one thought it was not pretty good. That's because you came in on pretty good. Yeah, because it's it it wasn't like earth shattering. Right? Yeah, it was good. It was definitely good. It was pretty good, <laughs> but it wasn't amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it wasn't it wasn't terrible, right? So, that's that's my logic there. Mm-hmm. Uh, what what have you guys seen movie wise, et cetera? I haven't been uh, watching much no? uh, in the way of movies, but my sister and I have been keeping up with Wheel of Time. Oh yeah, really? I watched I, 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 I've watched or... two episodes of that now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I so I. So I I haven't read the books in over 25 years, so it, it it's kind of like, who are these people? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, that's right. These are the foursome. And I had a small tweet that commenting about a, a YouTuber who noped out of it for reasons which I think are pants. And, you know. Pants is, is <laughs> a Paul, Paul word meaning poopy? No, it's not a Paul word. It's a British it's Word. a British thing, yeah. That's the yeah, I, I can't claim as as a Paulism. Meaning. Someone being a fuckwit, which is a Paul word. Oh well, yes, right. that's definitely a, so. That's a Paul. You, do you need to have read it to to get it? Um, I haven't read you, the books you, at you, all. Yeah, yeah, kind of. You need you need to know you need to have read it to get why the change from book to series, and this guy being be getting is uh, getting upset about it is being a fuckwit. Yes. Wow. Mm. Well, so. just about the series. I haven't read the books, and I'm enjoying the series quite a lot. Sarah and I both were. I want. I want to like. It. Uh, where, where, it's pretty it looking. Trish, I haven't Googled it because I really love that River Valley in book in episode two. So uh, I want to go there. <laughs> I think a lot of it's CGI, though, like the I mountains. Think maybe. No, I, I was going to say Scotland, but I think I'm confusing that with something else. Hmm. Okay, I'm googling it. Oh, Prague! You're duck duck going it, Paul. Is it, it was it, it was filmed in the Czech Republic. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
Do I need to go to the Czech Republic now? Apparently, I've heard it's beautiful. My 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 my. I mean, my camera says yes. <laughs> wow. But you know, I'm I'm kind I'm kind of a sucker for that sort of terrain. But none of you are surprised by this in the least. <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I, uh, there's something wrong with the show. I I think it's the writing. You've it, watched it? Yeah, I watched like a couple episodes, like Paul. And I, it, it, there's, it's nothing terrible. It's just nothing good. Like, mm. I it's disagree. Not a, it's, 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 not a, it's not a well, Jesse show. That's that I understand. I, I think everybody's too old. Like um, the characters playing the actors yeah, playing think, the teenagers. Yes, certainly. yes. Yeah, I think they're I, supposed yeah, that's, to be. That, that's Dawson. That's Dawson uh, off on a cast. Oh, really? Yeah. Are they from Dawson's? No, 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 no. That, that, that's <laughs> the phrase when you have teenagers being oh. played by thirty-year-olds. That's okay. called Dawson Creek casting. I did not know that. You have a lot of such terms. Uh, <laughs> I would. I would have said nine hundred two one zero is when they had the thirty-five-year-olds in high school, right? But maybe yeah. that's that's uh, er, too early. You're dating yourself, man. Yeah, didn't they have like an updated nine hundred two one zero? I think there was. Probably. I think so. I think so. But yeah. But yeah, um, I, I think there's something wrong there. I I think there's. But it's easier to do that in the book than in a TV series. Oh it's yeah. Easy, it's it's, it's I, easier to portray. It's it's a, it's, a re, it's easier to play portray a teenager in a book than an actual by a teenager so to speak than in a tv series because of maturity and skill levels and whatnot so speaking of portraying teenagers should we do a podcast no we should do a podcast (laughs) let me let me uh update you on on the edition so next week is caleb williams i i see paul signed up for that he's a brave man it's a very big book Um, is that that's 700. I don't know. It's really big. <laughs> Caleb Williams or, or Things As They Are by William Godwin. Um, Paul, I can't send it to you yet. I'm still doing a podcast for this, but I will try to edit it together before too far into the week. Is that Brian's book? It's Brian's favorite novel, apparently. Yeah. Or favorite gothic. Um, and it is big. Um, let me just check the length on that in case people do want to sign up for it it's a it's a commitment um but i think i followed a link to a litton story the other day and then i realized that it was a bulwer litton story (laughs) oh well that's who i assumed Uh, it's 17 hours this book (laughs) paul so you might want to start on it without me (laughs) yeah you might want to start on it without me there's a there's a if you go to librivox there's like a rss file there you know, for their podcast, and I, I know that's how Will does it. He doesn't wait for my uh, edits of his his podcast, but because I'm going to put the audiobook in eventually, anyways, I always make it for for me. You know, um, which so you don't need to wait on me, Paul. Is what no, I'm saying. No, I I know, but it's but it's easier it's easier to have the one file than to I I agree and this LibriVox files. But on the other hand, LibriVox does make a giant one big giant file as well. Um, but no, they they just they, they just make a zip file. No, they, they make, make an a- they make an M4B if you go to the uh, LibriVox page. In fact, they broke it up into three parts because this book's so big. But uh, three M4Bs, which uh, add up to the total of the book. 
they are totally downloadable and you can put them on your phone and stuff. When I ha- when I do it, I edit out all the intro outro stuff, and there's 42 chapters. And I level eight and I reduce the sound uh, noise volume and stuff like that, and boost the lower lower volume and make it level eighted, right? So the, it it takes a while, um, like hours. <laughs> Basically, oh, you're right. This is a- <laughs> I'm a slave for you, Paul. So, <laughs> wow. wow! Oh, thrall. How about that? Does that make it better? <laughs> that, 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 yeah. I, I, I thought you were doing kind a of like that. <laughs> um, okay, so that's that's the hard one. The good news is there's relief coming the week after, and that's only three hours twenty five minutes. It's a novel by Donald Westlake. Called and you're doing it on a Saturday, brother and sister. Um, it's I think it's. Probably not doable on a Sunday, given Evan's, uh, uh, you know, need yeah. to work. Um, and then, did you have already signed up for that? No. And the reason you haven't signed up for it is he did it really quick. Um, and there might be a reason you might not want to do it, depending on how challenging <laughs> you want to challenge yourself. It's um, incest. I've done my Donald it's the incest like sex novel. book, yeah. so I think yeah. I'm out. <laughs> yeah, it's the incest novel. Yeah, it's called mm. Brother and Sister. It's a uh, sleaze novel from the 1961, and I expect it to be excellent. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know, know if it, I don't know how hot it'll be, but <laughs> let me. I'm not well talking sure about the excellence. This might be a bit much. Well, he's a great writer, so I expect it to be excellent on a sentence by sentence level and a kind of uh, scene level. But I don't expect uh, it, it's not my twist. <laughs> your but I do really? like Westlake. True, true story. Hmm. Um, <laughs> Uh, you know, if they had a cannibalism novel, I'd be. Oh, that's my that's my bag. That's <laughs> <Bad> tasty. <laughs> so uh, there's that, and then it goes. Yeah, I guess that is a Saturday. I didn't mark it as such, but uh, in order to get, uh, you know, Evans definitely needs to be on that one because he's the might be the only one. <laughs> so I know that's not convenient for you, Paul, and, and most times, but sometimes you are available on a Saturday at four. And if not, um, we just do our best. The Brethren, that follows after. Um, that's a Connor one. Uh, Cora also is also Saturday. signed up for that one. Yep. Um, again, uh, it'd be eight hours later for her, right? So that's a midnight. Um, and then uh, Doom that came to Sarnath. And then the busybody, another Westlake, but um, well, that's the one that I joined. Jo- yeah, I a lot up. less yeah. uh, right. So uh, sibling Horner, horny. Um, <laughs> and then Al Murek, another Connor one, because he's narrated that. And then it, there's nothing pl- pl- planned past that, uh, or booked past that. Uh, all right, all right. So um, uh, maybe we, we'll think about what to book after. After we do one today. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Um, shall we begin? Are we sitting yes. comfortably? Relatively. We're sitting. Yeah. I'm at my standing. Actually, I'm not at my standing desk. That's only. You have a standing desk? Yeah. I'm thinking of getting one. 
Yeah, I mean, you can get, like, ones that go up and down. Those are probably the best. But I have two desks with two different computers, and it makes me play oh. games standing up. <laughs> Otherwise, I'd just sit down. But you shouldn't sit all the time. But no you also way. don't want to stand all the time. So unless you can obey your watch that tells you to stand, uh, which I am not willing to do. Eric's mm. always, like, standing up. <laughs> yeah? His watch makes a noise, and he has to, I have to stand now, Jesse. <laughs> I'm like, you're listening to your watch. It's telling <laughs> you what to do, and you you agree. So me, I just make make myself, if I want to play games, I have to, I have to uh, stand up. Mm. Otherwise, I, I just spend all my day at my desk slaving over a hot scanner. Yeah. Okay. Scanners live in vain, Jesse. Scanners live in vain. Trish, I don't remember if you record. Do you? Thank you. Today I am recording. Okay, good. And Paul's got a recorder, so I think we'll uh, be good. I I, I, the show I was editing earlier this week or yesterday or whatever, uh, both um, had a breakage, and probably from an internet problem. But that was six, seven months ago. And I love that when I was making the notes, I was putting them up. Uh, Paul said, oh, I wish I was on that one. <laughs> I'm like, you were, Paul. <laughs> it's, it sounded like one I specifically was not on. So I jumped to the island of conclusions. <laughs> yeah, it's your favorite island. It's in a whole archipelago. That, there's a good vocab word. Have it's, you used that with these students? Of course. Geography is incredibly important. Um, too bad this book didn't have a map, huh? Let's get started. All right. Let's yeah. go. Here we go. Uh, recorder on? Yep. Okay, so Jesse, Paul, uh, Mysa Trish, is that right? Yep. Okay, here we That's go. Right. Sure.